What buzz? The internet buzz. What the fuck is the internet? Hello, world. This is Chris Abalo's podcast experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show. And, folks, it's high time. Been wanting to do this for a while, and we finally made it happen because you demanded it. Joining me for the first time in a one on one chat, you know him from AMC's Comic Book Men, owner of a shared podcast studio. A, wow, a shared universe podcast studio. I tri- tripped over your plugs. Look at me. It's, what a mess. Uh, a shared universe podcast studio where we've been doing the show and where we will be doing the show again soon. Please welcome Ming Chen, everybody. What's up, everybody? What's up? Uh, what's up, Cape Capesters or Cape Cape Town? Cape Crusaders. Uh, I think we got to call Crusaders. them that. <laughs> Cape Crusaders. Uh, this is Ming Chen. And uh, Chris, this is a huge honor being here with you. Um, first and foremost, I am so glad that you and the Cape crew found us. And have been recording at our studio, but uh, more importantly, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've gained you know four new friends, um, you know, three or four new friends who uh, you know, could be, I mean, we all like the same stuff, so we do. Um, yeah, and you know, if you look at our studio, you know, we welcome podcasters from all walks of life, talking about all topics. But it really was a thinly veiled attempt to just get more geek friends. So. <laughs> So welcome and thank you. And you've done it. Yeah, we need we need to get the local geeks together. How can we do it? Well, geeks love podcasting and YouTube. I got it. Let's build a studio, and that way they're going to come to us. That's pretty genius. Yeah, I actually. mean, you know, I mean, we joke about that, but um, you know, like guys like me, you, you know, we have geek themed podcasts, um, and we've been doing we've been doing it for a while, and uh, yeah, it really, I, I've always, I it, it hit me. That it was kind of like, well, what, you know, geeks, you know, we were outcasts for a while. Now we're cool. You know, now everyone comes to us for knowledge and guidance. Right. Um, but uh, before that, all our friends were, you know, the only friends we had were fellow geeks. And what did, what do you like to do with other fellow geeks? You love to argue. You love to <laughs> complain about bad movies. You love to compliment the good movies. Like uh, guys like us, we're, we're the only thing that we're armed with is our opinion. Like that's oh, yeah. our only weapon in this world. <laughs> and, um, you know, why not wield that weapon and take it out to a global audience through podcasting? Totally. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah. So, you know, this whole studio idea started because we wanted to, we, we knew that other geeks would do stuff, would, would start podcasts because, um, you know, we found a way to kind of validate our opinions um, or invalidate them, <laughs> meaning, you know, we would argue for an hour or two about a movie or something, put it out in the world, and either we would get feedback from people who agreed with it, or they disagreed with it. And um, and then that sparked more discussion, but that also got you listeners, too, and sometimes friends. And uh, I was like, wow, this is cool. I, it, really, it was really boring by like, man, we're having this much fun. I wonder if other guys out there, other guys and girls, I wonder if other geeks out there would have as much fun doing this as we do. Totally. And the answer yeah, is a resounding yes, yes, for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's funny. I've been saying for a while, even in the nascent days of, of podcasting, when we all started doing stuff together in 2010, I said, you know, that this is all the stuff we talk about, whether it was, I mean, the whole point of the only podcast that matters, the show we all started together, <laughs> was talking about, you know, when you get a booth in a restaurant with your friends and you're meeting up 
on a weekly basis and talk about what's going on. Sometimes you talk about relationships. Sometimes you talk about movies. Sometimes you talk about music or TV or, you know, the upcoming holiday, whatever it was. And that kind of stuff is the same fodder that you get from sports talk radio or there's how many there's like 19 ESPNs. They're all about sports. It's all about theories of what's going to happen. It's all about potential trades. It's all about the draft. It's the same stuff geeks talk about, whether you're a comic book geek, a film geek, a music geek. It's all the same thing, except our medium, as opposed to radio stations, is podcasting and YouTube. So no matter what you're into, I feel like it's there is some version of that. As much as people kind of look at it as being silly, it's no different than what sports guys do. You know, guys, yeah, the sports and, talk and, 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 uh, ad nauseum about theories and what might happen and what's going to happen this upcoming season and with their team and with the players. It's no different than the stuff we talk about. Yeah, and uh, you bring up a, a great—you just sparked a great memory. Um, those those conversations we would have at a diner at a diner booth uh, after a midnight movie. Uh, you know, me and three or four other friends. Mm-hmm. You know, eating greasy bad food. We'd just seen a movie and we would sit there for hours discussing, you know, whether we liked the movie or not, or, you know, comparing that movie to ones that we that we really liked or really hated and just going on for hours. Right. And I wish I I wish, you know, like maybe I had like a superpower or there was some kind of like talisman or a gem <laughs> that would allow me to go back and listen back to those conversations. Totally. You know, um, that we could go back and have a recording of those conversations. And now we do. We yeah, totally we do. do. We have we have it through this, and man, like what I wouldn't give to to have some of those diner uh, after movie conversations back, man. That I, I, and and you know, because you know, we don't remember what we said. We mm. we remember we that we whatever we were arguing about, we argue about it as passionately as anything else we did in in this world, right? Um, it was probably something that didn't even matter really, but to us at that moment, it was everything. It did it was everything? <laughs> it was, yeah, the argument, especially fresh off of seeing something new. There's always some kind of debate. And that's the stuff that kind of got us podcasting in the first place when we realized, yeah. you know, can we do something with these conversations? Not in a way that we were looking to, to monetize or anything, but to put it out there, because if we were especially we're getting riled up in a, in a booth, in a diner, in a restaurant and like the tables around us are amused by it or, you know, the, yeah. the whoever the, the waiter, waitress, the server is uh, amused by our conversation and our dynamic. We thought there's got to be some way we have to, there must be a medium for this. And that's how podcasting came about is buying some karaoke mics and a, and a soundboard and saying, let's, let's talk for an hour. And that, yeah, that old I, I show just, was born. I just, I just remember, uh, you know, the number of times the waitress would come by, like just overhear a conversation, just shake, start shaking her head <laughs> and walking away without saying a word. I was right. like, oh man, that well, that must have been a doozy, I guess, whatever we were saying. But, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned so, the, the post-movie viewing and then going to like a, a, a diner specifically, because I feel like that's very, very Jersey, because diners are ubiquitous here. And it's not to say they don't exist elsewhere, it's just diners being 24 hours around here and always being in proximity to a mall or a movie theater, which is one of those things, you know, a common thread uh, that that we share is certainly the influence of Kevin Smith, uh, you to a greater degree. But the the idea that the conversations, particularly in Clerks and Mall Rats, the everyday stuff that you're talking about with your buddies at work or walking around the mall, it's something that when you when you know it and when you've lived it, not to say everybody has those conversations with like a close friend the way Dante and Randall and uh, that T.S. And, and Brody have. But the idea that you're walking around the mall specifically i feel like that that very much is born from something that i look at as being around here i realize it might be biased possibly uninformed 
because other states probably have a version of that, but because malls are so prevalent in Jersey and diners are so prevalent, I feel like that the, going to the movies or going to the mall and then you know arguing about what you just saw and debating the, the merits of it or lack of at a diner afterwards, I feel like those things very much go hand in hand and it's what there is to do around here, let's be honest, going to the mall is yeah, and what uh, we all do. I can, verif- I can verify this happens outside of Jersey because I'm actually right. not from here. Right, I moved, you're not. I moved, here in, I moved here in 2002 uh, almost 20 years ago to work full time for Kevin. Uh, before that, I spent most of my time in Michigan, in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, and um, yeah, we did. Uh, we we had this little 24 hour diner. It was attached to, I think, a Days Inn, and it was this little diner called Silverman's, and it was open 24 seven. It was maybe like two miles from the the movie theater that we would all go to, and that's where I would get my our, like you know the post movie. Um, you know, break, the breakfast meal. at midnight. You know, yeah. breakfast at two a.m. <laughs> the two a.m. omelet. Or, yeah, yeah, the two a.m. omelet <laughs> with uh, you know, hash browns and, and hot sauce and whatever. And um, yeah, I, and uh, yeah, and and the waitress I talked about who'd shake her head. Uh, she was <laughs> the wife of the guy who op- who opened up the local comic book shop that we all went to. Oh man, and, so uh, she's she's had an earful crazy. of this forever. <laughs> she's <laughs> had an earful, but you know, and she shook her head. But at the same time, you know, she was a geek too, so. So we all loved her, and um, and she also happened to be pregnant at the time, and was working at the diner to make extra money to raise you know for the kid, mm. and uh, it was yeah it was a whole thing you know these are like early these are uh, like late eighties early nineties uh, conversations um, you know I, for us like the heyday of of movie going oh yeah then. especially or, I think you're a little younger than I am but for me it was like a little the bit. heyday of movie going. And um, yeah, like at times like that, like I'll never forget the forget those times for sure. Yeah, there's definitely in that window, like late teens, early twenties, when you are hanging out before the full weight of adulthood has fallen on you, <laughs> like an anvil. When you're going out with your friends, and yeah, you have those late nights where you're going to see a midnight movie, and then you're at the diner at two in the morning, debating it. Yeah, I just wish I had those conversations recorded somewhere. But you know what? Better late than never is my one of my one of the things I like saying. So totally. Now, now, like nothing we do. There, I mean, there's a rec. There's pretty much a record, either audio, video, Insta story, YouTube clip, whatever. Now there's pretty much a, a some kind of documentation of everything we've done so far. Right. So there should be no no shortage of being able to look back. Yeah, that that's one of the things I always liked about the the medium of podcasting, just to talk about that for a moment because my thought was you know when myself and andrew jack and ryan started doing the show together in 2010 i thought it's something that was going to be perpetual and it would just go on and on and as we started to accumulate let's say you know into the second year i thought you know what's really cool is this is going to serve as a document for for this period in our lives or whatever period in our lives as long as we you know carry on with it because i mean at that point andrew was the only one who was married uh, when we started, Ryan had not yet gotten together with his now wife. Jack hadn't got together with his now wife. So the idea that we had this this period of our lives more or less documented week to week on top of just further deepening our friendships by having these conversations on the show and having the, the common bond of the show among everything else we shared was great. And the idea that we have this in particular, that first four year period of, of 2010 to 2014, it's it's documented over the course of you know 200 plus hours of episodes where we can go back and say wow that was that's how it was for our late 20s early 30s that whole period of our lives and that's something we can always go back and 
and listen to and kind of reflect on. And those those memories are still very, very clear to me. My memory is generally terrible. My rearview mirror is not great. But I do remember a lot of stuff surrounding those shows in part because there's the reference point of being able to listen back to the conversations and, and those different highlights. It's kind of like a, an improved version of flipping through a photo album. Like, oh, I remember that Christmas. Oh. <laughs> but you kind of re- remember the the memory because of the pictures in a lot of ways. You don't. It's not necessarily. It wouldn't stick out otherwise. Same with podcasts yeah, oh, for me. Yeah. Oh, by far. And um, yeah. Some people are like, "Do you actually go back and listen to your old episodes?" Uh, yeah, absolutely. Do. If I'm on a long car trip, mm-hmm. I'll go back and listen to stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'll be like, "What year was that?" And I look at the timestamps. <laughs> like, holy crap, that was, you know, April sixteenth, two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, seven eight years ago. And uh, and I laugh like I was like, all right, I really haven't changed that much. But you know, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Um, I, and I I was I, I'd always I'd always come kind of come up with this 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 thing like, man, what if I stumbled across a, a like a shoebox full of tapes or something? And I found out that my dad was secretly a, like a DJ in the 60s right. or something and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> And I found old recordings of him. Like, how awesome would that be? Oh, yeah. And now, you know, maybe one of my kids will find, I don't know, like an old a drive or a USB stick or, you know, a cloud server or, you know, or iTunes or Spotify. Six, seven seasons they of Comic Book Men, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that. Yeah. And they can go back and be like, oh, man, you know, they have a, 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 a you know, a snapshot of my life. Right. In a, you know, in a, in a one hour, an hour or 90 minute audio segment that i recorded you know way back in 2021 or something <laughs> they'll be watching this Whether, down the line and saying ah yeah that's why yeah, he, i mean that's why he was so busy in 2021 yeah, He's doing yeah, interviews yeah. I mean, and, but how cool would it be if we could pull up one of our parents from you know the 60s or 70s even oh dude i would and, love that my parents yeah. life before i came along it would be amazing yeah. just because I, I i have a great relationship with my parents but i don't know yeah. I, I know bullet points about their life before I came along, especially their their life before they got married. I know bits and pieces, so to find something like that for me, that would be amazing. And yeah, you know, especially um, are now they, are they they're both still around? They're both still they around. are, yeah. They're in their seventies. They're both born in the forties. So um have you have you podcasted with them yet? I had them I did I was able to do a phoner with them in October. I yes. did I, I told them about it later. I kind of tricked them into it where I didn't tell them I was recording. It was about two or three phone calls because I didn't want it to seem like I was asking them questions in a suspicious way because I thought they're never going to go for it. I've made reference to it in the past because my friends find my parents entertaining. They raised me, so the bloom came off the rose for me a long time ago, but other people find them amusing. So I I said, all right, one of these days I'm going to have to do it, but they kind of were always blasé. First of all, my father doesn't understand what this is about. He still doesn't, you know, almost 11 years since I started doing it. He just kind of doesn't get it. My mother does because she's she she's heard with TV and everything about interviews and like what's WTF I saw Mark Marin on with you know Stephen Colbert or, or something like that or Jimmy Kimmel and she said he talked about having an interview with Dick Van Dyke and then I'm like oh yeah let me load it up so when I would come home to visit from California if I you know was driving anywhere with my parents I'd load some podcasts on an iPod and That's in particular cool. 2016 they came out and uh, stayed with me for a week and uh, we went to Vegas because they'd never been to Vegas. So we had four hours. I, I had interviews with a bunch of people from podcasts. And frankly, the, the, uh, there's a long way out of the way to get back to have your parents been on the show, but uh, they, having heard a long form interview really without the, the kind of brief and very produced 13 minutes you get, maybe two segments on a, on a network talk show, it kind of spoiled interviews for my mother. She doesn't like 
watching those right now. And she's big because, you know, we got her uh, hooked up with SiriusXM. Like, she'll watch interviews that Howard Stern has on because she likes yeah. going in depth for an hour with somebody yep. as opposed to, so you recently joined Instagram where you're clearly setting someone up to tell a story or you oh, recently yeah, went yeah. to Hawaii. So, you know? uh, so, yeah, so tell me about this new movie that you're obviously plugging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I don't care. The, the forced care. pre-interview stuff, which... It's not to say it's not to say it's not valuable and for the purpose of promotion, I get it. But if you want to get a little deeper with somebody yep. like my mother's definitely understands the medium of podcasting and gets the appeal because now she doesn't like watching those talk shows and watching interviews because yep. she said they barely got to say anything. So anyway, I've, having tricked my parents in October, I told them about it sometime around Christmas. And I was like, listen, remember when I was asking you about The Sopranos and, uh, you know, the two you're really enjoying, uh, Springsteen on Broadway and his Western Stars movie and stuff? I was like, well, I was recording that and I put that out because people have been bugging me about it. And I didn't think you'd do it if I asked, but it's been heavily edited. It's it's fun. It's it's smooth and blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't think you'd ever, because I started going to uh, Shared Universe in, in September with this show. I said, I don't know if you'd ever want to sit down in the studio and do a show. And they were kind of like, why wouldn't we do that? I said, oh. Okay, Ooh. well, we can. Let's get you guys vaccinated, and uh, oh, man. maybe one yep, of these days you'll yeah, have to come in. They're welcome anytime. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I sat down. Uh, I, uh, one of the times when I went home, I brought recording gear with me mm -hmm. and uh, sat my mom down at my childhood kitchen table, <laughs> and I was like, hey, mom, uh, th you know, this is what I'm doing now. Will you record a podcast with me? And she was like, oh, I I I'm not dressed for it. I'm like, mom, it's audio. It's good. <laughs> Although I didn't tell her I, ro I rolled. I had a I rolled an old old gopro camera i had on her too because why not and i got <laughs> i interviewed her and you know i think we went for about an hour and i learned so much yeah because I, I don't I, I don't know a ton about my parents you know i don't just flat out ask them i never really flat out asked them questions about their childhood or growing up but you know on a podcast on this format like i you know it's you that's the kind of questions you ask so I asked her about her childhood and or her immigrating here, how she met my dad. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I learned so much stuff. So, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And that one, I put it up uh, about a couple years ago. Got a good reaction. And then uh, I recorded one with my dad separately, too. And uh, oh, that's cool. That was good. So now I got to get them together and uh, I'll learn more. But, um, yeah, for anybody watching or listening to this, though, and you, you know, you, you, if you have the means to record a conversation with your parents, uh, I would highly recommend doing so before it's too late. Um, Absolutely. It's really, really awesome. And, you know, we've been trying to encourage people to bring their parents in here. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, I think yeah, I think we might do some hardcore marketing at some point to be like, you know, or offer some kind of discount. I don't know. Like, right. But I a would really a family love package. <laughs> yeah. A true family. Literally pack a family package. Like, Come on in and make yeah. a document for your, your grandkids. Or if, you know, if you're in your twenties, maybe for, you know, your future grandkids, because, you know, now, now in a, I, I was going to say post pandemic world, but it's very much still going on. But let's say in, in a world that's experienced the COVID pandemic, you everyone realizes how precious time is and how, how much you know their family means to them so if i can put a little more encouragement in there yeah go to a shareduniverse.com and book a studio session would you or uh, once yeah, you get yeah, vaccinated I mean, do it because we still got to yeah. be safe people yeah you definitely won't regret it i think it's uh i think it's something that everybody should do and, totally uh, we, i mean I, I i would love to help you out i, I got it in my back pocket because sure. i thought since i don't know a whole lot about my parents' lives, particularly before they got together, or the the whole five years of marriage before they had my sister, which I find fascinating. I'm like, well, you had five years practically before my sister came along. You had five years of just being a married couple. I am curious about that stuff. So there is the part of me that thinks, well, I have those stories in my back pocket that I can learn about on Mike, 
And it makes it that much more interesting. And it also wouldn't be contrived where I'm asking them questions I clearly know the answer to. I genuinely don't know a lot about their lives as I know a bit about, you know, their childhood. But like as single adults prior to them getting married, I thought, you know what, that actually would be interesting to explore. So coming soon, people, hopefully it's going to happen by the end of this year. Maybe that'll be part of my my 40th birthday celebration in October. Maybe I'll try to rope them in. To, oh, uh, I think doing that's a, show a good. I was like, "Come on, it's my fortieth birthday." Yeah, can we please? I realize the two of you are having a hard time understanding that your youngest is now forty. But you know, come on, they had a real. They, they took it hard when when I turned thirty. They really? took it harder than I did. They're just like, "Our youngest is thirty. Where does the time go?" I kind of get that oh. now that my friends have kids. Uh, my, my the oldest child of one of my friends is uh, turning seven in April, and there's the part of me that thinks, "Jesus, seven years." So I can understand that maybe thirty feels weird. And my sister turned forty three years ago. They took that similarly, like our firstborn is 40. Where does the time go? I kind of get it, especially when you're in your 70s, when you don't feel it. And thankfully, they right. don't look it either. I'll say that for them. Yeah. Good genes. But, I think um, my parents were just happy I was out of the house. So, Oh, same. Uh, trust yeah. me. As much as I'm always welcome back, it's also romanticizing sure. it because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> so the right. idea of me being there, like I'm going to be there for a couple of days. At the point when the show goes out, actually, I will be staying with them because I got doctor's appointments and everything, and I'll be chauffeuring them. But um, it, it's the idea of, oh, of course, you're always welcome here. Meanwhile, it's, well, you're welcome here to stay for a little bit. But if you had to move back in, uh, that that would be a nope. different conversation. <laughs> like, they don't want a border. They're in their 70s. Nope. <laughs> they don't need to deal with that. Nope. Um, nope. Let's let's go a little bit back, though, to your, because um, you, you, you're you a, a transplant to New Jersey, which is, oh, yeah. I, I don't know that it's it's a rarity. But obviously, that's through uh, circumstances to do with uh, you getting a, a dream job in, in a certain respect. Um, so you, you were in Michigan. You went to the University of Michigan. And uh, that's kind of how you fell into your, your nerdum. It was, it was always there, but your, your geekdom, I should say, because it sounds better. That, um, that, that's kind of where that, that kind of shifted your direction, what, kind of when you were in college, from what I understand. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I met some like-minded nerds in college. Um, I think I think the one thing I always hung on to, even through, like, you know, kind of, you, know, you go to high school, you keep your nerddom, you go to college, you keep your nerddom, but uh, I think in college, you don't have as much money to spend on your nerddom. You're supposed <laughs> to be studying. So you kind of, I, I fell out of it for a little bit. Um, my, one of my roommates was was a pretty big Star Wars fan, so we connected through that. But um, but yeah. Other than that, I I you know I kind of fallen out of you know watching cartoons. Uh, didn't have a lot of money to buy comic books, so I didn't really keep up with those in college. Uh, it was, so we just kind of watch old movies over and over. Um, and then one day, my roommate came in. And was like, "Hey man, there's this new comic book shop that just opened down the street. We should go check it out." And me and him went over there, and it was it was one story of this tiny like rundown looking house. And we went in and behind the counter where it looked like a couple of rejects from Green Day, um, <laughs> the two dudes. And, you know, we look around the shop. It's not really big. There there were some books in there. I'm re- I remember looking around and I'm like, hey, man, like, uh, I, I you know, I haven't been reading in a while. Like, so I look around. Congratulations on the store. Do you have any like Batman or do you have Spider-Man? Like, uh, you know, where is it? Where, where, you know, I don't see any of these. They're like, oh, man. We uh we don't we don't have any Marvel or DC books, and I'm like, wow, that's mm. weird for a comic book shop. I I think they were they would start out so ground floor that they didn't have enough money to afford. They couldn't afford those books, and I'm like, well, what do you have? It's like, oh man, what we do have is cool. Um, check check this out, and they handed me a copy of Preacher, 
mm. and a copy of Spawn. Oh wow! And I'm like, and I and you know, this is ninety six, ninety seven. I I didn't know what they were. Right. They're like, right. they're like, this is comics now. Like, read this. We guarantee you'll like this. And I look at them. I was like, all right, this looks pretty cool. And I read. I was like, holy crap! This guy died. He went to hell, and he came back <laughs> to exact revenge. Um, this other guy is, uh, you know, he's a disgraced preacher who gets possessed by an abomination between, you know, an angel and a demon. And, and, uh, you know, he's got the word of God. I'm like, what? And, and these are like super R rated comics. She was like, what, what is this? Like, this isn't Peter Parker, like crying about getting pumpkin bombed by, <laughs> by, by the green goblin. Like this no, is this Jesse is Custer. Serious. Yeah. This is, you know, this is I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. And all of a sudden I was like, dude, I'm back into comics now. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh so yeah, I got I, it was image. It was image comics that really got me back into into comics. And um and uh yeah, like all my nerddom just kinda of just flooded back at that time. <laughs> and, and of course only right around that time I, I saw I, I laid my eyes on this weird black and white movie with a bunch of profanity shot in New Jersey called Clerks. <laughs> and um, uh, I was working at a video store at the time. It was this dumpy little, it was a video store slash arcade at the student union where <laughs> we only got one copy of each movie to rent out to people. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like Blockbuster right. where you had a whole wall of Jurassic Park. Like when Jurassic Park came, we had one. So if you wanted to rent it, it's like, sorry, it's out. We're out. Right. It's like, what do you mean you're out? Like our one copy got checked out. Um, but I remember, I clearly remember the day that clerks came in the mail and I was supposed to put, check it into the system, put it up on the shelf and let other people rent it. And, but I remember holding, I was like, oh man, the, I remember this dude telling me that it was funny. And I was like, well, how funny could this be? It's a black and white movie. You know, it's probably <laughs> some kind of, yeah. I was like, what is this? But uh, I was like, well, I heard it was shot in New Jersey and the girl I was dating was from New Jersey. So oh, I was like, okay, funny. I thought, all right, I'll watch this and maybe I'll find some stuff I can make fun of her for. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, yeah, that was my main motivation. I mm-hmm. heard it would, it was filmed in her area. Um, mm-hmm. she grew up in Middletown, New Jersey. Oh which, yeah. Uh, so you know, stone's is throw next, from Highlands yeah. and yeah, Leonardo. It's a stone's, yeah. Stone's throw from everything I've done here, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I took it home, I, and I remember I popped it in. My brother was home. I was like, hey, man, you want to watch this? He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm not doing – I got nothing else to do. And I, I remember we're watching it, and I, I just – I remember we're looking at each other. Like, what the hell is this? This is awesome. <laughs> this is what I did. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't even process it because I was – you know, we were both like, holy crap, this is how me and my friends talk, this movie mm-hmm. Clerks. They're – you know they're making fun of each other, like me and my friends. It was like I was watching me and my friends. It was so weird, because like I'm, I'm like, that's not a movie, is it? Like, can you make a movie out of talking about Star Wars and Batman and you know bad you know customers that you hate? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I clearly remember uh, there are two moments in Clerks that I that really stick out. One was definitely the Death Star. You know the the stormtroopers changing out toilets on the Death Star. <laughs> That was almost almost a conversation that me and my friends would have. Um, uh, I I was just so shocked that anyone put a Star Wars what if conversation in a movie. Like mm-hmm. no one had yeah. ever done that before, and um, and a lot of people don't remember this now. But in nineteen ninety four ninety five when Clerks came out, nobody was talking about Star Wars. Nobody wore Star Wars shirts. No, no one was carried on lightsabers. The only people who talked about Star Wars was us geeks. Yeah, exactly. 
would watch the trilogy like two to three times a year. Oh, when they when, in the beginning of '97 when they re-released the movies and things. Yeah. I guess it was the special editions that. But I was yep. a freshman in high school, and I was an honor student in for most of high school. And the only people I knew who were going to see Star Wars and excited were my you know quote unquote nerd peers. Um, you know the the nerdy kids, the honor students. They were going to see it like Star Wars is going to be back in theaters, and I'd already seen Star Wars, and that was before I understood the point of you know going to see an old movie in the theater and the the community the communal experience rather of yeah. seeing something that where everybody's a fan and maybe there are a few people sprinkled in who are seeing it for the first time, and. Yeah, it's funny. Like it wasn't in the lexicon like it is now. Now Star Wars is as mainstream as it gets. But for a long time, what people forget is that Star Wars wasn't cool. (laughs) Star Wars was not. If you wore it on a T-shirt, you were almost like putting it. It was like wearing a Scarlet A, basically. You you were looking for trouble. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Mm. And after that, George Lucas was like, well, that's it. I'm done. And I'm like, what do you mean you're done? There's no more no more Star Wars. He's like, no, I'm done. I, that's my really original trilogy. That's it. I was like, no more toys, no more like nothing. And there, <laughs> and that was it. So, you know, the more time goes by, you know, the memories fade away. Um, you know, maybe the love is still there, but you definitely don't. You know, if there's no new content to 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 relate to, you're not going to talk about it as much. So, yeah, something I, else know, comes in gonna... and becomes your number one, or, or yeah, various and, things. And, especially the older you get and getting to high school and everything is more stuff that gets your attention yeah and there are a couple of things that came out like that ewoks made for tv movie came out draw i think droids came out and they weren't very good the cartoon series too um, i do remember that yeah, the ewoks yeah <laughs> yeah so you when know by 94 no one was talking about star wars there weren't you know lucasfilm wasn't putting out any new star wars related properties mm-hmm. and it just kind of faded except for us geeks who would get together once or twice a year watch the entire trilogy quote lines and you know we held on to that torch because we loved it so much and we always holding out hope that they would go back to it, you know, but you know, you did not see girls walking around in star Wars shirts. You didn't see anybody walking around in star Wars shirts. Um, So to hear a hardcore conversation about star Wars in a movie in 1994 Mm -hmm. was mind blowing. So I'm like, immediately I'm like, we got to meet this genius who (laughs) loves star Wars. Like we do. And actually wrote like, you know, six pages of dialogue to put and put it in a real movie. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. That's one thing that stuck out. Um, did and, you seek uh, out yeah. mall rats right away? And uh, you heard the kryptonite condom conversation, and it, your head just exploded. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah! <laughs> like immediately, yeah. like oh my god, it doesn't end. Yeah. He did another yeah, movie I, about it. <laughs> yeah, and the other one was uh was uh Randall at the video store, and the the woman's like, well, you know, they are are any of these movies any good? And Randall's like, I don't watch movies, <laughs> and he's like, that's yeah. Yeah, and she's like, I'll never oh, come man. back to the store again. And he's just kind of like, you'll be missed. And I'm like, what? That, that's awesome. So I worked at a video store too, and mm-hmm. I was like, man, I wish I could talk like that to the customers. <laughs> I'm like, there, I'm like, surely there's no, there's no guy, real guy that exists in this world that actually talks to customers <laughs> right. like that. And then years later, I met him. His name is Brian Johnson. Exactly. And that's exactly what he, what he, how he talks to customers. <laughs> Those two moments, yeah, really stuck out. And then just everything else was just weird. I'm like, and and I was like, wait. And I remember calling my girlfriend. I was like, hey, I just saw this movie, Clerks. It's filmed, I think, in a couple of towns from where you grew up. This Leonardo, like this quick stop place. I'm like, do they curse this much in New Jersey? And she tried to tell me that they didn't, which was not true. Yeah, no, she was. She grew up sheltered, clearly, because yeah. And I'm like, are there drug dealers that hang out in front of convenience stores? And she's like, no, that doesn't really happen. And then later, years later, I found out, yes, that is true. Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. That's also true. <laughs> yeah, but man, I, I, yeah, I told, I became obsessed with this movie. There's really nothing else like it. Oh yeah, and in 
if you remember back to 1994, really good year for movies. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. Stargate, um, Forrest Gump. I mean, the list of really, really great movies that year is is mainstream and independent long. movies. Like that was where there was a lot of range. That 90s was kind of the last era where you had those that kind of variety. I feel like in yeah. in that there was the indie film. You know, certainly there was Clerks and Pulp Fiction. Which, as as praised as they were, and as beloved as they still are, you know, over twenty five years later, there were also movies like Forrest Gump and Shawshank Redemption, and you know these yeah. these big movies that were also just yeah. mainstream budget, as can be, yeah, big like big budget, studio productions. explosions. They were yeah. in, they were in color Independence like, Day, <laughs> like there was a lot yeah, going on. Yeah. Independence Day, yeah, and these movies were all in color. So, I yeah, just something about that movie. Like I didn't care it was in black and white. It was just so raw and real. It just spoke to me immediately. So much so, you know, like I really think I became obsessed with it, just like I did with Star Wars right. or, you know, Blade Runner or any of my any of the other movies. And um, I, I I remember I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. And one thing that us geeks, that one thing that we do as geeks, us geeks, one thing that we do is when we find someone something that's awesome, and nobody else knows about it. They have to know about it immediately. Oh yeah, we and, spread that love out to them. You're like, oh my, you know, oh we my rub God. their nose in it really hard. It's just like, yeah, no, you need to check like, this out. But then you're like, you have to see this so we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, you know, if you just you know, like, um, I remember seeing like Akira, the anime, mm-hmm. like, dude, you guys got to see this. Like any, you know, anything that you know that that you discover, and it's kind of cool to to. It's kind of cool to share your love with other people, and then they remember that you were the one that brought it to them too. It's kind oh, of yeah, you, know, you get bragging rights for that. I, I love um, that. I, there, there are in particular two movies that I ended up showing a bunch of people because as soon as I fell in love with them, I just would get together with my friends like, "No, you have to watch this movie," or like yep. you know, bring the tape to their dorm or their house or have them yep. come over and we watch it. Yeah, 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 and for those sure. were Clerks, which was uh, ninety eight when I saw Clerks for the first right. time. Um, after seeing Chasing Amy first, because a friend of mine wanted to rent it, he's like, eh. my friend James, eh, eh, this movie's pretty good. <laughs> eh, the guys from New Jersey, yeah. eh, let's just right. check this out. And we watched it, and then it was at that time my sister was in, she was going to Rutgers, and one of the, I don't know if it was an elective, but it, it has to be, I guess, because I don't imagine there was a degree in this. Um, she was taking a course on basically new jersey history and culture and part of the class at rutgers was watching clerks they watch clerks in class i don't know if kevin ever got word of that and hopefully he's too <laughs> busy cool. to watch okay. or listen to this show uh because it'd be a sad state of affairs if he had time for this but uh although he's friends with you so i guess there's that yeah but it's uh not, it's, if it's he if impossible. he doesn't know yeah clerks was part of a new jersey history and culture course at rutgers yeah, like a, in the a, late a 90s curriculum. that's cool yeah. yeah like his film was his first film was a part of it um, long before the National Film Registry was even a, a, a yep. flicker, a, a glimmer desire, rather. But um, yeah, anyway, sure. so I'd seen Chasing Amy, and I mentioned it to my sister as far as like, oh, this movie, James and I rented this movie. It was really cool. And she said, you know, it's funny. We just watched this movie, Clerks, and you should watch it. I went up to Rutgers, and I, I watched it with her. Or she either came, she may have come home for a break or a weekend, because it was only an yeah, hour yeah. away from where we grew up. And we watched it together. We're like, this is hysterical. This is so funny. And I remember when we're watching it, this is a really random memory but as we're watching it our mother is walking through the living room you know these are in the days when you had a tv i mean i had a tv in my room but i didn't have a vcr yet so we're watching clerks in the living room and as my mother walks through it's when randall's saying the line caught between my loyalty to the boss and my desire to piss with the lights on and my mother just let out a quick like (laughs) 
like laugh. She didn't know the context or anything. Yeah. It's a really random line to catch for a movie that you yeah. don't know. Um, but anyway, so Clerks was one of those movies. Once I saw it, I was showing it to friends and saying, this is hysterical. You got to watch it. The next movie that I did that with, which nobody had heard of, nobody had seen. And it was one that I said, you have to see this movie was Shaun of the Dead. A couple of years later, when that came <laughs> yeah, on, I yeah. saw that in theaters, yep. not knowing what it was. As soon as it came on DVD, I'm rallying friends. I'm like, no, you need to see this movie. So there, those two movies were that I was preaching the gospel of Clerks and Shaun of the Dead to friends who just weren't aware. I mean, obviously, this is pre-internet and when, you know, word of mouth spreads faster in real time where you actually just show up with a copy and say to somebody, hey, man, check this out. You can just tell them like, hey, when you get a chance, rather than scrolling through Netflix, watch this. You had to have something to show people. Or, you know, have people come over to, to check it out. And yeah, Clerks yeah, yeah. is or, one of those yeah, movies. Or better, yeah, 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 better, yeah, they would come over. And, and do like a viewing party, together. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and you know, we had seen it already, but they hadn't, so I'd be sitting there watching for their reactions. Like, it was the greatest <sighs> thing. Dude, I, I like, love waiting that. waiting for them, because you knew, you know, we knew what was coming up, but they right. didn't. So we're sitting there waiting, like, oh, man, are they going to find this part as funny as I did? And, you know, of course they did. Cause it's totally. Awesome. But um, when I saw it back in, you know, uh, the VHS came out in 95, I was trying to get all my friends to watch it. Nobody wanted to watch it because it was in black and white. Yeah, they thought it was a yeah. They thought it was a French new wave art film, and I couldn't get anybody to watch it. <laughs> Le Clerks. And it, yeah, and it killed me because I couldn't talk to it. I couldn't talk about it with anybody because they hadn't seen it. Um, but at the same time, coincidentally, I was learning how to build websites, and uh, it was very, very early in the internet. Yeah, uh, the nascent days of the internet. Yeah, can you imagine a time in the internet where there was no Facebook, Instagram, Google, Amazon? Yes, and if I could snap my fingers, I'd go back there. <laughs> eh, I'm I, in the I minority. Guess, I know. I'm I'm, I'm cynical life about was better back then. I'm cynical um, about social media. I use it for my own yeah. narrow purposes, but beyond that, I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> but, uh, I, but uh, please continue. Yeah, yeah, but I was like, hey, like maybe I could build a clerk's website, and then I could reach a worldwide audience. Like there might be, I might be able to find someone in like Colorado who's seen it and we could email back and forth about it or something. So, um, so that's what I did. I put up a clerk's fan website. Um, one, it was uh, over Christmas break in 1995. I got, I was just bored. I put up a clerk's fan website and lo and behold, um, I, I got it listed on, on Yahoo was the big search engine back then. Yeah. I got it listed there so people could find it and search for it. And uh, yeah, lo and behold, I started getting people around the country going, Oh yeah. Oh man, I saw your site. I love clerks. Um, what do you know about this Kevin Smith guy? I was like, I, I don't. I read a couple articles. What do you know? You know, we would trade articles mm-hmm. and and things like that. And I was, I was, uh, it was fun. It was like building. You know, it's kind of building a, a community, but just finding other fans, in in using technology to find other people with like interests through a website. I mean, now it's easy. You just go on Facebook or something. You find a group. You can totally. There's a Facebook group for everything. There's, you know, now there's like a clubhouse, there's a podcast, there's, you know, there's a, there's a Reddit, there's a Reddit board. Mm, yeah, exactly. There's a Reddit. Fans for stuff for anything now so easily. But back then it was not, you know, I had to actually go out, learn how to build a website, like actually build it. You know, I had my email address on there and it was cool. People would see it and email me. I'm like, oh man, uh, you, you like clerks too? Me too. Like, wasn't it funny when, you know, Randall hit Dante across the head with a loaf of bread? I'm like, oh yeah, man. Like. <laughs> What about when they, you know, they tipped over a dead body at the funeral parlor? Like we were, that was our conversations. It was, mm-hmm. it was fun talking to fellow fans. Um, and then a couple months after I built that website, uh, you know, coincidentally, uh, you know, lucky for me, uh, Kevin Smith himself sent me an email. He had happened to be at an internet cafe uh, across the street from where Jane Sound Bob's Secret Stash is now. 
Mm. Uh, he somebody had told him about the internet or something. He likes to joke that he literally walked into this internet cafe, and um, he he literally said like, "What the fuck is the internet?" Like that, and <laughs> like like that. Jay and Sound Bob Strike Back came about. It's like yeah, the internet. Yeah, buzz. yeah. What he the likes to joke, and he probably did say that, but he said the guy, the internet, the 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 coffee guy set him up. He's like, "Hey, I heard there was like a, some clerks' websites out there. That's my movie." And they're like, "Oh yeah, I typed it in." Mine came up, and he said when he saw it, he was blown away, which was very flattering. But mm. at my email address, contacted me, and um, yeah, I remember it was an email. I was like, "Hey, I love what you did. Call me tomorrow." And he put a phone number on there. It had a nine hundred eight area code. I was like, "Holy crap, that's New Jersey!" So, like, did you believe really... it was him? Was there any yeah, party that thought you're being? I, it was, you know, it was written very coherently and it was very detailed. So I was like, "Holy, sh- holy shit! I think this <laughs> is him." And that's um, how the characters I, talk. I, Maybe it's really him. Yeah, and, but I was like, well, why does he want me to call him? What does he want to talk about? And um, so this website I built, I it was I was I took photos, audio clips. I put it, I put up little video clips. Mm-hmm. I took everything I could off the movie and basically put it on a website. And I was like, oh crap! Like, I think I just violated a bunch of. I'm gonna get laws. sued. <laughs> He's calling yeah, like, me. I listen, get uh... sued. Like I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know. I thought maybe he wanted to like you know send me a. I I was gonna be talking a cease and to desist. lawyers. Yeah, exactly. I was like, do I, you know, I was like, do I, do I burn down my, my apartment now? Like, what do I, you know, what, what, what would I do in the movies? But I was like, you know what? I'll call him. Let's see what he wants to talk about. Maybe, maybe he really liked it. I, I was banking on the fact that maybe he was calling to compliment me because uh, the email was somewhat vague, but it looked like he, he liked, it sounded like he liked it. So I called him. I, well, I tried to call him that day. I was real, you know, real nervous. He told me to call him at like noon or something. Mm-hmm. I call the phone rings and it picks up. And I'm and I hear on the other line, hello. I'm like, uh, hey, uh, my name's Ming. Um, uh, I, Kevin, Kevin Smith, the, the clerk's guy. Uh, he told me to call him at this number now. And the voice on the other is like, he's not here right now. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, um, um, can you take down my number? Maybe you can call me back. All right, what's your number? I gave it to him, and I'm like, all right, thanks. All right, thanks. Click, and I was like, man, that sounded a lot like Jace J from the movie, the from Clerks, <laughs> and it, it it and it was him for whatever reason. He was answering the phones that day. <laughs> it was just so weird. I was like, I think I just talked to Jay, like Jay and Sound Bob Jay. It was, it was really weird. And then an hour later, did I call Kevin the movie? Me. How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, was, I thought I called the movie. Are you saying Silent was, Bob actually hangs out with Jay? Does Jay live with right. him? Right, exactly. Was I this, was like, they I thought this was me? a movie. <laughs> this yeah, is a like, documentary they hang out with each other. Yeah, I was like, are they? Am I calling the quick stop? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, but yeah, an hour later, Kevin calls me back and he's like, "Hey, man, I love what you did." I'm like, "Ooh, okay, don't have to burn down my computer." <laughs> and uh, he was like, he, "He was like, you know, he's like, I was really, it, it was really cool. You put all my, all this clerk stuff uh, on on the internet." He was like, "Well, this, he was like, it was like you put a magazine on a computer." I'm like, yeah, that's one way to look at it, I guess. He's like, so can you do more? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm going to be coming out with more movies. Um, I'm setting up a production company. Like, I would like one of those website thingies, but for me and a production company and, and my future movies, like, can you help me out? And, uh, you know, I was like, well, let me think. And I was like, I was like, yeah, of course. So he was like, great. What's your address? I'm going to send you a box tomorrow. I'm like, uh, okay, I gave him my address. I'm, and he was like, all right, great. Uh, you know, I'm going to send you an email with a list of things I want on this website. Let, let's get going. Like, uh, Kevin doesn't like to wait. <laughs> he, like, <laughs> when he has something that like he's, he's excited about, it's like, write it like 
He wants to one, pounce. You're off and running. Right. He wants to pounce. I'm like, uh, okay. So I hang up. He sends me this big long email outlining each and everything he wants on this website. Uh, the next day, a FedEx box comes, and I'm in college. I'd never gotten a FedEx before. I'm like, what? Only like famous people get FedExes. <laughs> yeah, Overnight um, Express. What, what's this about? Yeah, um, this if guy's you ever for real. That movie. If you ever seen that movie Bowfinger, like at the right. end, <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, you know, you know, you know, you've made it when you start getting a FedEx box, and mm-hmm. they're waiting for the FedEx truck to come down. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap! Like, I, I think I've made it. And in this FedEx box. He had thrown in a bunch of three by five black and white pictures from clerks that they took on the set. He sent me some pictures from Mallrats. He sent me like a program guide from the Cannes Film Festival with from clerks. Uh, I mean, just all this stuff that, you know, the normal fan would not have had access to. And to me, you know, Kevin was Hollywood. You know, I knew he made a real movie that I loved. He, He was in Hollywood. So to get that box was almost like getting like almost like George Lucas going, Hey, I'm sending you a lightsaber tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, enjoy. And right. You know, to me that it, it might as well have been something like that, like a art, a movie artifact. And, uh, it was all stuff that he wanted to put up on, on this website we were building. And, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was just crazy. I still, I still think back and I'm like, man, that's nuts, man. You know, who, just the How odds like he, that? he even How found does... you. I mean, just I realize the internet right. was smaller then, but the yeah. fact that he not only found it but was compelled to get in touch with you because of what you'd done yep. and said, I could use this guy for something. Yeah, and, you know, th- again, this is 90, 95, 96, so there was no Twitter. There was no there was none of, no social media platform. So for him to, to consider putting something online that early is you know i think you know just a great leap of foresight oh yeah the total foresight when it came to like what this could be as far as having an online magazine yeah and if you look at kevin throughout his own history as self-deprecating as he is almost everything he's done has been ahead of its time before anybody else did it so you know obviously independent film he did that way you know he you know he's yeah, one of the godfathers of independent literally film. independent like yeah <laughs> shot in your um, workplace you know, during off hours f- after selling your comic books and putting the rest on credit cards yeah that's that's indie as fuck so yeah. yes <laughs> yeah um you know setting up a creator owned fan website right that's you know no one no one was doing that in in the early ni- in the in any of the 90s um you know podcasting creating his your own content putting it online he did that way before you know joe rogan or any of those other guys did it so oh yeah so he's a he's a pretty dangerous guy man um you know for as <laughs> self-deprecating as he is and um you know he's very very forward-thinking which, he, see, uh, he sees always, where the puck is going as he likes to say he, yep, <laughs> he but he has say, yep. he has he totally yeah. has as, as much as he likes to credit everything else and yeah i mean I, i'm I'm a big fan of self-deprecating humor too. I'm the first one oh, to sure. say, "Oh, he's not even going to listen to the show, so I don't think he's going to care." Oh, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Show record. You know, everybody has an element of that. I think uh, if if you have a remotely healthy ego, but um, yeah, yeah so it, that's, it how is... I, that's how I got connected with him, though. So uh, you know, I built the website. It launched in I think February of 1996, and uh, it was off and running since then. Um, I end up meet, finally meeting him in person uh, August of that year. Uh, which was great. I mentioned earlier my girlfriend was from the next town over. Right. So, I, you know, I was just on my annual trip to her parents' house anyways. So, you know, I remember her driving me to the View Skew 
office. There, uh, you know, on the front window was a, a clown in fishnets and garters, which is <laughs> Vulgar the Clown, you know, right. the old Viewskew mascot. And I remember going up there and, and meeting the whole gang. You know, uh, his producer, Scott Mosier. Uh, Jason Muse stopped by. And then I met Kevin himself, and I got to hang out for, for a few days. And um, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, life-changing for sure. Like, watching the movie Clerks literally changed my life. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And and, and who would have known? Had you not had that gig at the, you know, campus video store, yep. then things could have been totally different. Yeah. I mean, I imagine at some point in my life, I would have seen that movie, of course. Um, I'm betting, you know, maybe one of my other friends who was really maybe more into movies than me, like probably would have shown it to me. But I'm more glad that I was able to show them. Yeah, totally. Uh, I was able to be the one to introduce a lot of people to that movie. And and the timing of it too, just the idea that because you were in the middle of doing web design and everything and yeah. decided to, I'm going to make this fan site before fan sites were really a thing. And then he ends up finding it. It's just a, a crazy, the stars aligned in an insane way and that brought you to literally this moment because now you're sitting and talking to me and it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, 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 it truly doesn't look at us. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting. That's right. A, you're uh, sitting, you're sitting next to the child. I mean, sitting on. on a purple couch with, uh, you know, with baby Yoda and talking to a fellow geek. <laughs> like it truly does not get much better than this. This is true. Who would have ever sure. thought 25 years ago now, 96 is 25 years ago. You can believe it that yeah. th- this is where things would all lead, which of course brings me to the question. So at what point then did you have to pack up, and transplant yourself to Jersey. Uh, when did this became an actual like job? Yeah, for you, so like being associated you know, with you, I, I built the site for Kevin, and you know I was still in school, so you know I, I was working on Kevin's website. Finish. I finished up school, and afterwards I actually went and I got a, a real job. Um, I got a real office job, um, doing um, put setting up websites uh, in the Washington D.C. area. And, you know, it was my first job with salary, health benefits, right. like all this stuff. I was like, holy crap. And I was like, wow, now I have a budget to go buy Star Wars figures. <laughs> that was like my thought process. I was like, now I'm I, I'm getting a weekly check that, you know, pay rent, pay car car bills, buy groceries, go hunt for Star Wars Blow the figures. rest on toys. <laughs> yeah, blow the rest on toys. And then, you know, and, you know, maybe take my girlfriend out every so often. But yeah, that was, sure. That was... That was my life back then. So, uh, but so I would go. I worked the day job by day, and then at night I would come back and I would do stuff for Kevin, whatever he needed on the website. And it, it was a fast-growing online community we were building. Yeah. So you know, it was it was almost like having two jobs at, at some point, um, running all this stuff for him. And it was it was a blast, man. Um, for anybody with day jobs out there, and you know, most of them aren't that great, but they pay the bills and, um. You know, you four hundred one k's, whatever. I, I I totally understand that. It was nice to you know kind of work on something that I wasn't really into by day, but then at night I could come and work on something that I really loved. Right. And I had the thing that I didn't really like, and it made me appreciate the thing that I really did like. So I think I did a better job as a result of it. Um, yeah, you had the stability, you, and then you were able to pursue had, everything yeah, else at had, night. So it yeah, was it was a means this, to an end. Yeah, you have the stability, but you know when you work on something that you really love, knowing that the next day for the eight hours you'll be working on something you don't like, that you put a lot, you put a lot into that thing that you really love. Yeah, it's a weird, you know, just to kind of balance it out. So you know, for anybody with dead, you know, maybe jobs that you hate out there, um, but if you have something on the side at night that you work on that you really like, whether it's playing video games, podcasting, 
making YouTube videos, uh, you know, whatever. Um, that, you know, it's not a bad way to go. Yeah, uh, that's especially the, if you're just starting out. That's the just, stuff that you keeps know, you going, honestly. Yeah, you know, yeah, keep the J job for a little bit because it, it will make you really, really appreciate the fun stuff that you're doing on the off hours. Right. But yeah, I I did that. I I had a yeah I had a real de- desk job for like four years, and um you know it was it it wasn't bad. I still got to work building websites by day, which is one of my passions. It was just in a in a subject for a company that I really had no you know I didn't really love it. It was right. it was a it was a job. It was a job. It was yeah, a job. it was a job. Um, but it was yeah, so it was fun. I was I was doing stuff on the side for Kevin. And at one point, I remember we had a message board on Kevin's website. It was a way for fans to communicate with him. Right. Um, the, the legendary view askew board. The legendary view askew board where people would post questions, all text-based, and then Kevin would come and answer the questions when he had time. And it was really cool because uh, for some guy in like Cedar Rapids, Iowa, I was like, holy crap, Silent Bob answered my question. Yeah. Like the Silent Bob... It was a thrill because we didn't have Twitter or Facebook back then. There was no way for someone famous or someone that you admired to answer, to interact with you. Yeah, exactly. There was, there was no way. Um, back then, there you know there used to be this huge wall between fan and artist, and you couldn't touch, you couldn't go beyond that wall because that's just how it was. There was a myth a lot, you know, all the people in Hollywood and and you know all your all your favorite rock stars were like mythological. Fake. Yeah, they they were in another world. There were there were stars, and then there were the the normies, the rest yeah. of us, and the even yeah, the like, idea that someone's gonna that one of those people is gonna take the time to actually interact with you, yep. respond to a question, take a moment to even just have an exchange in person. Yeah, that that seemed completely out of reach. That that's yeah, that was akin to winning the lottery, even yeah, as we, as recently we, as the late nineties. Yeah, but we had set up a way for Kevin to do that, and it, I think it completely broke down barriers. Uh, I For think sure. it increases is I think it increases fandom, you know, you're, you're and the loyalty become, too. It cultivates loyalty, oh yeah. the fact that he was so invested in the fans and was so grateful for the fans being there and yep. supporting him because clearly he's he was even if it wasn't a conscious thing, he's very much making the movies for them because oh yeah. they they were going to be there kind of no matter what. As far as the larger world or a more mainstream audience that's going to see whatever was kind of going on at the time, you know, whatever else was playing his audience was going to be there and they knew that he appreciated them. And that goes a really oh, yeah. long way with people. The idea that you're willing to take time and actually interact with them. And yeah, just, just and, as and a thank he, you to them, it's huge. And um, not only did he, did he realize this early on, but this is something that he wanted to do. He really wanted to find out who was watching his movies. And mm-hmm. once he found out, he wanted to learn more about them and talk to them and, uh, interact with them, see what they liked and see what they hated and just see what it, whatever else they were into. And, um, I, I thought, I always thought that was cool. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that I had a small hand in that as well. And, uh, yeah. And so sometimes we would get even like famous people from Kevin's world to post. So, um, I remember, uh, for like a week or so, like Cameron Crowe, the director was hopping on answering questions. Oh man. Or I, I don't know. I don't really know why I think he's a fan of Kevin's. And they both kind of have the same, you know, they're very good writers. They make really cool movies that speak to people, you know, they're heartfelt. Um, like Jason Lee would pop on every so often. Uh, Ethan nice. Suplee would come on. Um, just people from the, from, from the, from the, the Viewsku world. And then I remember one summer, like Ben Affleck started posting a lot for, because for whatever reason. And I think it got to a point where Kevin kind of joked around. And it's like, dude, 
why are you on my website? Go get your own. <laughs> and um, lo and behold, I get an email from Ben one day. He's like, hey, man, you know that, Kevin, that website you built for Kevin? Can you build one for me too? I'm like, yeah, sure. Just let me know what you want on there. And I built one for <laughs> wow. him. Same thing, message board. It was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty, yeah, I built it for him. And same thing, it was pretty cool. And then um, a couple months later, he was like, hey, man, I am starting, I am, I'm, I'm getting into this internet startup company. Um, can you help me out? Like we need websites and stuff. I'm like, really? So this is a, the the whole dot com boom of the two thousand ninety nine late nineties two thousands. Right. He had bought in as well. Him and Matt and a couple of producers had started a company called Live Planet, and uh, their big, well known project uh, was a TV show on HBO called Project Greenlight. Yes. Which um, a lot of people may or may not remember. It was a script contest where uh, people would read scripts, and it, uh, ultimately there would be one winner picked, and that guy's. That guy got to to direct and film his script, and um, and that's what came out of that. So I ended up working on Project Greenlight. He I hired. Eventually, I started working for his company too. Eventually, for one year, I actually left and moved to L.A. to work for Live Planet. Oh wow! To work for Ben and Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, that was in two thousand one, and um, uh, it was long hours, and it was it was a fun atmosphere. You know, kind of this like internet startup well-funded yeah um you know project and then you know and i've got two recent oscar winners as my bosses it was pretty cool yeah it was a cool time in my life and that's uh, everything was going great until 9-11 happened right and it kind of torpedoed a lot of the future projects that live planet was working on mm. um a lot of them were not going to work in a post 9-11 world and uh so uh you know as a result you know, a lot of our projects got canceled, funding got pulled, and so a lot most of the staff got laid off uh, near around October, November of that year, uh, which sucked because I loved that job. It was great; yeah. it had so much potential. Um, and you're you right know, there I, in the uh, film, like in the film community yeah. too, working for this this production company. Yeah, in, in a very hands-on you know, way. Yeah, high-profile bosses. I got to work in technology. I was in sunny Los Angeles. Like mm-hmm. it was really cool. And all of a sudden, one day it was just it just ended. I was like, man. And I remember I was real bummed out that day. And I remember I, I wrote an email to Kevin. I was like, hey man, like I don't know if you heard about this, but you know, Live Planet, you know, ba- you know, Ben, uh, yeah, it's all ending tomorrow. It, you know, it sucks, but um, I was kind of like, hey, if if uh, can I use you as a reference? I gotta go look for another job, man. You know, if you would be, if anyone, if I could, you know, just put your, even put your name on my resume, like it would help me out a lot. And I remember he wrote back. He was like, "Oh man, that sucks." He was like, "So, um, how? What would you think about working for me full time?" Um, he was. I remember he was kind of like, "You know what? That, this is probably how it was meant to be all along." Like, what would you think about that? I was like, "I mean, really?" I was like, "Full time job?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm, I'm like, I, I like, I'm like, where do I sign? Like, what do I have to do? He's like, "All right, um, you know, just you know, you've proven yourself." You know, you were working off hours and you, you know, you built a whole online community, a whole website we did. Um, I launched his online store in that time period, which was, you know, making a lot of money. Um, he was like, but the one thing you have to do, though, is you have to move to New Jersey. Our office is in New Jersey. <laughs> Secret Stash is in New Jersey. My life is in New Jersey. Um, that's our headquarters. You got to move to New Jersey. I was like, oh, man, really? The what about all the drug dealers hanging out in front of <laughs> convenience stores? And I was like, you know what? I got, yeah, absolutely. You've, you've been so good to me. 
I don't have a job. You're making me a very generous offer. <coughs> um, you know, let me let me have the next two months. You know, I start in the new year. You know, I'm gonna. I you know they gave me a little severance money. I'm gonna go out and have some fun for a month, and then I'll I'll pack up all my stuff and I'll come, and I'll start on January first, two thousand two. And that's what I ended up doing. And uh, yeah, that's right. That's uh, you know, thankfully for him, uh, yeah, I was I didn't have to go look for some other office job for you know for some other company that had right. no no heart. No, yeah, no take really. just another job. I got to work on some. Yeah, yeah, especially after that experience. Something. Of, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's that's Zoom, everybody. No, 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 <laughs> we got a yeah, delay. No, and we're no, talking no. over each other. Not at all. I, you know, I, I got to work on something that I truly loved for a guy that I really admired, um, and uh, yeah, and, and that's how I, that's that's the long story of how I wound up in Jersey. And you know, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, mm-hmm. but I think I was. Yeah, I think it was really like one bite of pizza and one bagel later. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, that's that's a I big might, deal. Once you've had real pizza. Yeah, I might be here for a while, and then you know what really kept me here was the pork roll. So that know, that does good, it man. too, and and the majesty yeah. of Wawa. Before oh, everybody yeah, knew sure. about Wawa, it was wait a minute, this place is you get sandwiches here. The ATM is free. Yeah. I'm in. This is yeah, awesome. <laughs> I can get, I can get strawberry milk and uh, and coffee at two thirty in the morning. Yes. Right, this place is open twenty four. Wow, this, yeah. and it's it's different than Seven Eleven. No, they make sandwiches here. Oh, well, that makes all the difference. I'm in. Now yeah, it also it so, must have been a huge compliment though to you as well because at this point if I have my timeline right it was right around 2001 I think around post on on Jay and Silent Bob that Kevin left Jersey and moved to LA <laughs> so the fact that he was bringing you in to help mind the store to use a metaphor which would uh, be be very literal later uh, in a literal sense that that was trusting you in a large part to basically keep the machine running especially because he wasn't going to be there in person to handle that so that was also a huge compliment to you it wasn't supposed to be that way oh really so, you know you know he, he gave me the pitch that i had to move to new jersey because everything was there i was like okay you're right you're right that's great okay i'll move i moved to new jersey in january of 2002 in march of 2002 he calls me in his office and i'm like hey man what's going on he's like hey uh guess what i'm moving to la ah. i'm like i'm like what He's like, yeah, Ben Affleck is selling me his old house. We're taking the family. We're moving to L.A. We're going to keep the offices. We're going to keep the store here. You know, we're just be by coastal operation, but I'm going to L.A. And I'm like, I was just there. Are you telling me, like, I didn't have to move? And he was like, yeah, sorry, I didn't know. This just, like, hopped, you know, this just fell into my lap. The, right. house, the whole situation. And um, the plan was, he's like, hey, you know, uh, do stuff here and then move out here in, like, a year or two. And, uh, you know, you know, you could be at like Skew West or whatever. And I'm like, OK, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, as more time went, on, I was like, I don't want to leave here. I like Jersey. I, I, L.A. Mm. sucks, man. Yeah, I, it's uh, I, I'm, more time than went by. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. Uh, I spent a total of eight years out there and uh, it brought me back here. So that yeah. says it all. I haven't gone into that whole history in the show. That's coming down the line. If, yeah. For any regular uh, listeners. Yeah, you know, I, I, if, if you visited L.A., great. It's fun to visit. For totally. Me, knowing that you get to everybody should go and check it out for themselves. But living there is a whole other animal. <laughs> it really. Yeah. It's and, something and I, else. I've seen so many friends like, oh, man, I'm going to go I'm gonna go act. I'm going to go, you know, whatever. Get into, into the entertainment business. I'm like, you sure about this? You yeah. know, I, I, because it's it's it'll crush your soul that that town. Yeah. It will try your patience. 
it will, you know, you're going to meet a lot of people that is like, wow, I didn't know there was this kind of like jerk, you know, evil, not evilness, but just kind of arrogance. And yeah, I just didn't know there were this, these many assholes in the world, basically. And uh, you learn that very quick. Yeah. Because um, yeah, you can't avoid yeah. them. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but, and I'm just like, you know, be careful. It'll it's not the it's not the golden, you know, the streets paved with gold there. Uh, as you think it is yeah and, um, yeah this yeah. It, it, it's funny i used to i talked about this a couple episodes back like, since you mentioned it just to kind of piggyback on, on your point yeah. about that is um for a portion of my time there from uh, 2016 to 2018 before i left what became uh, supplemental income became a major part of my income because you know finding a job and just stay, yep. keeping your head above water in la uh, i was an uber driver for a long time and i would drive so many people around who came from you know they they were big fish in a little pond they came from you know their small town and whatever and they're like yeah i figured i'd come out here and you know i'm gonna give it six months see if something happens and i was one of the reasons i'd moved back out there in in 2012 was for voice acting because i've been doing podcasting for a while and started um venturing into that world and having been at that for a couple of years i kind of let people know listen i i don't just do this which by the way nobody has just one job in this city <laughs> but i said listen if you're gonna like really tr like establish a, a beachhead here and settle in and and make this your life then think beyond six months because nobody's looking for you the fact that you've shown up here and I, nobody would ever believe me. That was the funniest thing. I think they thought I was just being a yeah. cynical asshole. But the reality right. is, like, look, nobody's looking for you. Because you showed up, it doesn't mean things can begin. Like, You need to be here right. and you, need, you should carve yep. out a life for yourself. Because if you're going to give it six months and go home, don't even unpack your suitcase. Yeah. Because nothing's going to happen. Nobody just steps off the bus. Like, that's a myth nope. that people, for some reason, still believe in the in the 21st century. Like, I'm going to step off the bus and it's, you know, I'm going to be in my, I have my own sitcom in no time. No, no, it does not work that way. And it's it's difficult. It yeah, really, and really you, is. And, and you make a great point. Not not even Kevin Smith only has one job. Oh, totally. He's not just a writer. He's not just a director. He's a podcaster. He's a you know he writes books he writes comic books he's he's director for um, hire uh, that's something become he's diversified yeah. himself he's directing for sure. the CW and you yeah, know did a major you know, studio film and you know it's it's not just one thing nobody does just one thing Ryan Seacrest yeah. has all the jobs and you would yeah, think that yeah. guy could probably just do one at this point but no even he needs to work ninety seven yeah. jobs just to keep the lights on that's how it goes yeah yeah that's a good point so so for what it's um, worth yeah that's that's my yeah. that's my L A rant but, <laughs> that's yeah, my knowledge, but, yeah, well, L A knowledge drop for this week. Yeah, but with that in mind, I don't know if you feel the same way. I, I'm glad I, you know, I had, I really had no attachments at the time. I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids, mm -hmm. and you know, it could have, you know, going out there like it could have blown up. I don't, I don't know. Now I, you know, I, it, I, something huge could have happened. I had to take that shot. Of course, so I did. And you know it didn't work out the way I thought it would, but I'm I'm glad I had that experience for sure. Totally, I'm the person who will who will kick myself if I don't take the chance. Yep. I'm yep. that person who's always going to wonder what if, and I knew I had to do it. And that's having been out there already for two years, going to guitar college, which is a whole other part of the autobiography that I'm not going to bore you with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was a two year period I was out there, a four year period I was back in Jersey, and another eight years I was out there. I'm sorry, six years I was out there, yep. and uh, eight years all in. So that gets you know confused sometimes. But um, yeah, there's a part of me that it has its place in my history in in my autobiography but yeah there's the part of me that would have wondered well what if i had pursued that what would have happened and at the same time it brought right. me to the place i am right now because i'll tell you for what it's worth and i've put this into you know in the um 
not not in a, a justifiable way because it's very much the truth, but it literally brought me to us having this conversation right now. Because if I was still just slogging away in L.A., I mean, I couldn't imagine being there during a pandemic and not being able to travel home and everything. That oh, would have, no. That would have yeah, done yeah, me yeah, in yeah. anyway with all my roots basically being here and with the, you know, the isolation that comes with living in L.A. I rewatched Collateral recently. And when oh, <laughs> when dude, Tom Cruise yeah, talks I, about, like, you know, however many, you know, however many million people living here, all disconnected, nobody knows each other. It's like, that's exactly yep. how it is. And I realize that's, that sounds really cynical and, you know, dickish. But the truth is, yeah, it's very isolating being out there. And you could find a community, but like I kind of did. But it can also be just very superficial because it's very much a what can you do for me approach to every yep. relationship oh, yeah. out there. Yep. Every goddamn yep. relationship. And it, you may be able to forge a few genuine ones. But if you do, you're, you're in the minority. I'm sorry to say it's not impossible. It's really hard. It's really yeah, hard. and it's so funny. You know, uh, Collateral is one of my favorite movies for oh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know, Jamie Foxx, Tom Cruise, they're great, but like the city plays such a huge character in that movie. Um, but they, they, I think that movie, it, it's uh, it tells LA like it is. It totally movie, does. Sure. Oh, watching it, having yeah. after living there for a couple of years, rewatching it again, like three, four years ago, I said, wow, this, this. This hits me in a whole different way, in the same yeah, way yeah, yeah. working uh, show business adjacent, you know, watching movies yep. like Bowfinger or uh, even I watched Get Shorty last night for the first time in a while. Yeah. I thought, wow, yeah. this movie rings differently. <laughs> this really hits home in a, in a completely different way. But um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you should, we should do a podcast about this. I mean, there's a certain oh, group of movies that that tell L.A. very accurately. Um, you know, L.A. Clyde show business. One of them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, L, uh, you know, Bowfinger, L.A. Story, Get yeah. Shorty. Uh, swingers definitely yes like really is so accurate um i started yeah, writing I, this is because i i have a couple of screenplays going not to get ahead of things but uh sure. I, I i started writing a a romantic comedy about dating and relationships and that whole la thing when i was out there it's on the back burner now because i'm working on a different one all my energy is going into this one uh, particular yeah, um, screenplay um which i'll tell you about off mic <laughs> but um it's it, it it was such a different experience for me and so unique, especially in the online dating sphere <laughs> when all that came about and being in such yes. a superficial place of L.A. mixed in with hearing experiences from people who I, I people who got stood up on dates who I was the Uber driver. And, there, you know, there's a poor girl crying in yep. the back as she got stood up mm-hmm. on the date after the one where she slept with the guy, you know, stuff like that. There's so much of that. That's. Uh, I could, yeah, I could totally spend an hour. We should totally do that. We should do a movie oriented show about like what. What represents yeah, like LA, like, LA you know, and show business? LA, like, totally yep, for sure. That, That's so cool. We're gonna have to make that work. So, at what point? Yeah. Just to, to jump ahead a little bit, then. So, how is it? Was that there a straight line in between you working for essentially a view askew? I imagine was was what was printed on your checks, uh, and working at the stash. When did that come about in your? Um, I in mean, your time here. So, uh, you know, if you watch comic book men, you know, it looks like I'm a full time member of the uh, the stash. But I was I I was I spent most of my time I had my own office uh, doing IT stuff for Kevin. I would stop down at the store to bug Walt and Mike, <laughs> and um, you know at some point you know it's a you know Walt and Walt and Mike, it's Walt more than Mike you know he kind of ran that empire the way he saw fit. Right. So you know him managing the store like he does is completely real. So for the period of a few years, like they wouldn't even let me touch the cash register. Like I was there to. <laughs> I was there to help, but they wouldn't even let me touch. Look, just because Kevin trusts you doesn't mean we do. <laughs> yeah, so I would be more. I would. I was actually there more to hang out than work, for the most part. And I uh, can't blame after, you. A, and after a little while, you know, all right, you know, like one of them would leave for lunch. I would be. Have, I'd be hanging out in there, 
and uh you know they showed me how to run the freaking cash register like i was like dude <laughs> I like I I can write HTML. I built a website. You mm-hmm. know, I built an online store for God's sake. Hey, I built Ben Affleck's I, website. Okay, I think I can I handle yeah, a cash register. Yeah, I can handle a. You know, it wasn't like a square point of sale or anything. It was like an old school. You know, yeah, with, that, like, that thing that, on it. that register. If it, it was the same one that was in the show, it looks like a relic. No, so yep, yep, it can't no, be that, that was it. That was it. That was it. The one. Yeah, yeah. No touch screens. None of that. Yeah, so, it's a register from a bygone era. Yeah, so I would go down and help out every so often, and um. Uh, there's, yeah, there was one episode where I get left by myself because Mike and Walt fake being sick. Yes. But, uh, that actually <laughs> happened once where they were both actually sick and I had to run the store by myself for one day and uh, it wasn't that disastrous. They got mad at me though. Cause I closed 10 minutes early. Oh. I closed it. Yeah. And I'm like, there wasn't anyone in there. Like why, you know, and there was a, there was a homeless guy that was, walk- that, that, that would pop in and I didn't want him to come in anymore. So, <laughs> so I locked the door. And uh, they made fun of me because I didn't want the smelly, the, you know, the smelly guy in the store. Yeah, and listen, like, on, the, so that's- we don't want this guy using the new fifty-two for toilet paper. Okay, can can I just please close up because I don't need him walking but out I'm with like, a book? But I'm like, no, you actually do want the, say, him to use the new fifty-two for toilet paper. <laughs> oh, wow, that's yeah, a controversial sure. statement. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Yeah, I, I was. I, you know, I was probably I was doing more IT work um, than being at the store. I, I was at the store. But not all day as uh, as depicted on the show. Right. So then yeah. what, how did the show in the whole history? Because I don't I, I've watched it since. It's funny. I, I was aware of Comic Book Man. And it's something that California people since the entire run of the show I was living in, yeah. in Los Angeles. Uh, so someone would say, oh, there's a there's a show that takes place at a comic book in New Jersey. If I got into a conversation with people about being from New Jersey, um, especially yeah. when I was an Uber driver, which is a, I wonder if you've experienced this, too, because there is uh, aside from. Just, you know, if you actually got into a conversation and someone, you know, picked you out as not being from there, because most people are transplants, to be honest. Yep. But there was, I would have the conversation with somebody and at a point they would say, where are you from? And I'd say from New Jersey. And the response would always be, oh, nothing else to say about it other than just the surprise of like, oh, like not really anything. But on occasion in at a time when Comic Book Men was airing weekly. Some people would say, do you know there's a show that takes place in New Jersey that takes place <laughs> in a comic cool. book store? And I said, yeah, I do. I, I've been to that store and I have. I got actually hanging in my closet. I've kind of forgot about it. I have my, my Dogma t-shirt that I got there. It just has the Dogma name on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The title in that font. But um, yeah, I've been to the store a bunch of, uh, store a bunch of times. I got it. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Dante Hicks quote, you know, t-shirt yeah. for my birthday one year that came from the store. And, um, you know, I've come across a few people who, who came just to visit secret stash we're like yeah, oh my yeah, god there's totally. a show that takes place in secret stash you know from other places or who came through la and um it was i never saw it when it was on but i've caught up on it because i started going to the studio now the complete series which i have to recommend to everybody it's the entire series is streaming oh, on amazon prime much. it's included thank in you. your in your prime membership and uh, if you don't have prime use the link at chrisabalo.com to shop through amazon click through that link yes. and they'll send me a yes. little a little taste of your purchases clear your cookies ah. though Ming will tell you the importance about clearing your cookies. Um, yes, absolutely. But anyway, so I've started watching this show since going to Shared Universe and having met you and Mike because I said, oh, I like those guys. I want to see what they were up to. So I have been watching the show since, um, which was good because it also meant I wasn't going to go all fanboy like some of my friends who I've brought into the studio <laughs> who uh, all good. have have a, all certain, good. Listen. have a certain star fucker quality to them that we just no, won't no, no, let no, it not, let not go. No, that's... 
that's what we're there for. I mean, it's a, you know, we, we run a, a, a customer oriented, you know, service. Yes, of course. And any edge we can get to get anybody through that door, mm-hmm. we will take. And, yeah. You, know, you will you exploit show, yourselves. And that gets degree. you in, you know, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and as you can see, walking through the doors and into the studio that we are those geeks you saw on the show. Totally. So, you know, we're not, that was not for show. That was not played up for cameras or anything like we, I, yeah, if, if anything, we're more geeky than we were in the show. Right. But, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> there, there's a lot more than just uh, what happens in the structure of, you know, uh, 40 minutes or 20 minutes on, you know, based yeah, on yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then how does the show itself actually come about? <laughs> As somebody who, who wasn't aware of it, I mean, was aware yeah. of the name and that it existed. How is yeah, it that, so, that the whole thing came so to be? For, so for anybody out there, you know, podcasting right now, you know, here's your little spark of hope because... Um, the show came about because Walking Dead took off in 2011. Um, it, you know, it went from this little zombie show on AMC to you know a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. And when AMC, the network, saw that, and they they in their minds, uh, you know, they're Walking Dead's based on a comic book, so they're like, holy crap, there are comic book fans out there. There are com- comic fans who will watch a TV show based on a comic book. Let's make more shows based around comic books or that world. And, um, you know, the execs were like, well, that's a great idea. What do you got? Well, they're like, well, we don't got anything. They're like, well, <laughs> who who can we get a good idea from? They're like, well, how about the Kevin Smith? He's, he's king of the nerds. He yeah. He know what to do. He's been talking comic call, books for <laughs> forever. Yeah. In his yeah, movies and him up. on stage. Let, let's get his, uh, let's get his advice. And they, they ended up contacting him. They're like, Hey, we're thinking about doing a some kind of comic book based TV show, you know, off the success of The Walking Dead. Um, you know, maybe we could air it between that long gap between seasons of The Walking Dead to keep people's interest. Uh, well, you know, is this something that you would want to work on? He's like, no, not really. I'm pretty busy. And they're like, okay. Well, it's like <laughs> then they were like, well, if you did work on a show like this, what would you do? And he was like, you know what, if if it were me, if it were up to me and I was to do a TV show right now, you know what I would do? I would rip off that TV show Pawn Stars, but instead <laughs> of them selling, you know, whatever jewelry or old documents or whatever, why don't you put it inside of a comic book shop and the transactions could be between, you know, like rare and vintage toys and comic books, because that's something I would watch. That's something that's way more interesting to me. Um and that's the show that I would watch. That's the show that I would make, um, you know, if I had that power. And they were like, congrats. Great. You just developed a TV show. <laughs> wow. Board. He was like, well, wait, wait a minute. He's like, yeah. And uh, thanks to yeah, a deficit so they, of ideas, this whole thing came to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the I, idea, I, like, um, we don't know what we're going to do with this. Uh, do yeah, we know any nerds? Like, well, well, you, I know some nerds. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Kevin was kind of, you know what, why don't you take a show that's very popular right now and just put it in the comic book world and um, Totally. There's an audience that's being underserved. I mean, people yeah, just beyond so the did. people who who I mean, there loads of people didn't know Walking Dead started as a comic book, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. or excuse me, graphic novel. I don't get a yeah. bunch of hate on Twitter for that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, just the idea that like no, there are people who actually live this and with the the with yep. pop culture becoming mainstream culture, or I should say, you know, like uh, comic culture and superheroes working their way into more into pop culture, I should say, then here's something that like, this is an opportunity nobody's taken. It's kind of surprising. It took until, you know, 2012 years, (laughs) you know, for this to actually come to pass. 
But at yeah, that point, but... it was finally, once again, like you said, him being ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Here's something where, oh, the culture caught up to something he's been doing and talking about and preaching the gospel about for decades at that point. Here's the opportunity. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, so they started kind of developing the show and uh, they, you know, they were like, all right, well, now, you know, we need a comic book shop and then we need to, I guess, go around the country and find, you know, three or four guys to be in the show. Oh, they wanted and, to cast uh, it. Oh, man. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they wanted to cast it. It was, you know, this is stage one, you know, square one. Right. Like, okay. You have this idea. What do we need? Okay, we need a comic book shop. We need guys to run the shop for the show. You know, then we need to, you know, find customers to buy and sell stuff. You know, that we can find later on. Right. And um, so it wasn't us from the beginning. They were going to go find a shop somewhere in America, then find, you know, four dudes in America and to be on the show. Um, but uh as it turned out they're like kevin you know you get to the step i was like okay the network thinks it's a great idea now what i was like okay well now you have to shoot a pilot episode you gotta make you gotta put together like a 15 minute trial episode to show the executives to make sure that so they can see that this concept will work once you and then they'll, they'll then they'll give you more money and you can make a season and um, so they're like, all right. And, and, um, so I remember Kevin, he was like, so what's our budget on this thing? And they're like, oh, you know, they gave us $10,000. And he's like, is that a lot? That doesn't sound like a lot. And they're like, no, it's really not a lot of money to shoot something like this. And plus most of it is going to go to, you know, like a location fee. Like we're going to have to rent a comic book shop somewhere, probably give him at least half this budget. Ding. And and he's like, wait a minute. Well, I got a comic book shop. You can shoot there. I won't charge you anything. Just put the money toward the, to into a, you know, spend the money on making it a good production. Right. And uh, I remember, like, they, I guess they didn't know he had a shop. They're like, dude, why didn't you tell us this like three weeks ago <laughs> that you had a shop? They didn't know for whatever reason. Um, and they were like, well, what about you know, we need we need the comic book man we need the guys to work the shop he's like well just use the guys that are in there already i got guy i got i've, I've got a staff i got this guy walt he runs a store uh this ming this guy ming he's at the store and he runs my website you know mike the assistant manager and then you know we got throw my best my friend brian johnson in there he'll be real funny too and they're kind of like you know for the pilot uh you know even if you have to tell them what to say just to structure it um you know go for it just to fit your needs for the pilot but for the most part, they, you know, they, they had scripted a couple of things out. But for the most part, we were just off, you know, ended up being us, being us. Right. You had your dynamic down. a lot of that. Yeah. So they, they shot a, uh, it was about a 15 minute pilot episode, which if you head down to my YouTube account at uh, youtube.com slash Ming Chen, you can see that pilot episode. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. Somebody had leaked it onto YouTube and I just stole it and put it up on my, on my YouTube. So <laughs> just so I could get some traffic. Um, but that's the pilot episode that was shot. Um, it's very bare bones. You can see the skeletons of comic book men. Um, I mean, it's actually not that much different than what you see now. I think the, um, you know, there, there's even a little bit of us at the podcast table and, and the transactions. It's very, you know, it's, it's not that far off from what the, the real show became. Um, but yeah, when the executives saw that, they're like, "Holy crap! This is this is funny. This this will work." And they ordered six episodes, nice, in a first season. And um, yeah, all of a sudden we were they were like, "All right, we're gonna shoot 
you're on a TV show and it was, I don't, um, I, well, first I remember getting the call from Kevin. He's like, Hey, um, congratulations. You're going to be on TV. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, they saw that. Remember that pilot episode they shot? Like they loved it. They're going to, they're going to make six episodes. I'm like, what? He's <laughs> really? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we start shooting in a month. I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> you know, I, cause I, I have no, you know, I had no training. Right. I'm not an actor. I didn't, I, you know, I, I did not have dreams of being on a reality TV show. Yeah. You weren't, like you weren't seeking do. this out. There are a lot of no, people no, who I, are just I, looking I, for this. I sat behind a computer and uploaded Kevin's podcast onto iTunes. You know, <laughs> I, I changed quantity numbers on a stock list on his online store. You know, I'm not, I'm the IT guy. I don't act. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, but uh, you know, I'm up for anything. So I'm like, all right, this is, this is cool. I get to, I think the first thought in my head is like, okay, this is a, a TV. That's, that's cool. There are a million channels out there. Maybe somebody will watch it. But I think the real first idea in my head is like, wow, the world is going to see how screwed up Walt Flanagan and Brian Johnson are <laughs> or, and, and how funny I know. Cause they definitely have a unique brand of humor oh, yeah. until comic book, man, that only, you know, us that you know that only we saw and i was like man th- i think the world the rest of the world needs to see this oh yeah so but uh coincidentally um also when the execs saw that pilot episode they saw how we interacted you know right um right from the minute one i was getting made fun of uh brian was <laughs> cracking inappropriate jokes walt was being walt you know mike was being mike and um the executives were pointed over to our podcast episodes and kevin was like hey you know you should listen to these this is how the guys interact in real life, you know, mm. they have podcast episodes. So the executives took it, uh, uh, listen at a bunch of our podcast episodes and they came back and they were like, wow, these guys are really funny. Um, like the, you know, they were, they were like, this is really just them. There's no script or anything. They're like, they're kind of like, no, this, that's just them talking. And the execs were like, wow, if they can be that funny on the podcast, on the TV show, they can, if they can be as funny on the TV show as they are on the podcast, we're, you know, we're going to get like three or four seasons out of this. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. You know, we end up, we ended up getting seven, but yeah, <laughs> they really, I don't think people know how unique that actually is in reality TV. The idea, I really think people do believe that all of that happens organically and there happen no. to be cameras here. Even the notion of taking a group of people who actually are friends, who have a dynamic, who work together, at least in part, well, at least Walter and Mike technically work together. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of taking people who are actual group of friends who have this dynamic, who do something together and not casting it because so much of that is, you know, so much of reality TV in particular is very much like we need this type. We need that type. We need that. You, you know, yeah. you need to fit into a certain archetype. You know, there needs to be a villain, all this other stuff. I mean, even though I guess you could break down, you know, you were kind of the whipping boy. Brian's a smart ass. Walt is the, you know, the 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 businessman who's who's trying right. to run the business and keep everybody yeah. in line. Mike is Mike, kind of the, 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 the expert. Yeah, yeah the he's, he's the expert. expert. He's like the chief nerd. And uh, yeah. yeah, like you but, can yeah, kind of break but, it down, but, none, but it wasn't it wasn't contrived. It wasn't something that was put yeah, together. None, none, none this existed. Was I was if if you go back and listen to any of the podcast episodes, um, you'll see those guys are uh, um, they're they're more assholes to me in real life than they were on the show, <laughs> which is I know it's for some people it's hard to believe. But well, shows, yeah, the show's edited to a degree, so they got the, free the reign on yeah, a podcast. Yeah, the, show, the show's edited, yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, there's no editing. There's no, you know, they say whatever they want. You know, it's even worse on the podcast. Uh, Brian, he's he's a grump, and he can be a jerk, but he's funny as hell, man. Yeah, he is. And he's, he's so good at making fun of people that it's an art. 
It's really an art. <laughs> the original Wall. Randall. That's him. That's Randall. Yeah, he's the original Randall. Yeah, Walt exactly. Is, Walt is Brody. I mean, that's where that stuff comes Walt, from. Is, yep. Walt is Brody. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so all that, all that was was for the most part, you know, very, very real. Um, I think the only thing we joke about Walt does not t- interact like that with people in real life. Um, uh, he he's much more reserved in real life. I, I guess I should say. Um, he's not you know, as snarky not that, as he is on the he's show. Not like, that, he's not that outgoing on the show, but I think um, I remember him telling us this. He's like, hey, I, you know, in order for this to work, like I can't be that standoffish. Um, so he decided to kind of take his cues from Buddy from Cake Boss. You know, animated <laughs> Buddy is. Right, right. Where where it was like, you know, we made this this cake and it wouldn't fit in the van. What are we going to do? Like, that's where that. And he's like, I got to be more like that if it's, this is going to work. So it's true. Um, yeah, we call it. We, we call Yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin coined the term. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fake wall. I was like, yeah, I guess it <laughs> well, is. Well, you so. do. I mean, even, even though it's reality TV and even though it's very much in a, in a real situation, in a real store yeah. with with real friends and coworkers and, you know, real customers in part. Yeah. The the idea is you do have to turn it up a little bit for a performance. I mean, I don't walk around sure. with an announcer voice all day long, but obviously it gets turned up a little bit when I'm right, doing the right, show, right. like right now. Yeah. Um, and same for you. Like when you're on mic, you yeah. do need to bring something extra to it because if you're just going right. to be your usual boring self, nobody's going to listen. So yeah, th- there is, I mean, there's a little than, bit of a perform- performance element you have to bring into it. Yeah, I think other than Walt, yeah, I mean, we were it, it was just, it was business as usual. You know, we were doing the same stupid what if scenarios that we would have done had there not been cameras in there. <laughs> right. Um, you know, Brian would be making gay jokes at me and Mike's expense, even if, whether there are cameras or not, those jokes are coming out of his mouth. <laughs> um, you know, they would probably edit it to be a little more appropriate for basic cable. Yeah. But, Stanis yeah, and Praxis I mean, are like, are the, he can't use that word. No, no, yeah. that's not going out in the broadcast. We're, yeah, we're going to get letters, but, you know, yeah, but it, I, it, we really didn't wander that much that far from our true selves, right? Which was nice because I and people, you know, and constantly, even now, people are like, "That show's scripted, right?" Like people wrote those lines for you. I'm like, I don't, I'm not an actor, so I can't memorize lines right. at all. Kevin's too busy; like he can't write all these episodes. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got There's he's no got chance. jobs to do, you know. Yeah, I'm like, that's really us. And then, um, you know, trying to put words into Brian Johnson's mouth, like trying to script words, it's not going to happen. That guy hates being told what to do, plain and simple. And for him to read off some script that maybe somebody else wrote for him, like that, that would never happen. <laughs> yeah, that's which again, some people assume, you know, there is that that phony element to being. Yeah, a but I, you know, show, I, but... I take that as a compliment that they they think we're so funny that professional some professional writers out there wrote those lines for us. Right, that's a huge compliment. It is because like no, you just yeah. this this is what goes on all the time. You know, yeah. it's it's funny, and that's but that's what rings true with people, honestly. When there's a, a um, an authenticity to it, that's ultimately what it comes down yeah. to. And I mean, obviously, that goes for podcasting as well. Not to bring everything back to that, but truly, <laughs> if you're being sincere and and you're being authentic in what it is you're doing, people do pick up on that. If it's clearly oh, a yeah. performance and if it's clearly phony, people aren't going to get into it in the same way. There needs to be some yeah. relatability. Yeah, not everybody can just be you know a caricature of themselves. Yeah, so, for sure. Anyway, uh, so that brings us to, in a very direct way, then, how a shared universe came to be, which is now one of the main gigs. Uh oh, I think I lost you. Hang on. No, I'm here. Sorry, I should buddy, be here. The fun of live. Ta. I still hear you. Oh, there we go. You're back. All right, there we go. Okay, cool. Um, Sorry about that, everybody. That's on no. my end. I got a faulty cable. I apologize. Yeah, it happens. They're uh, they're all made in China. What are you gonna do? 
<laughs> Nobody's going to hear this, though, because I'm going to fix the audio thanks to yeah, uh, thank, backups thank, that are running. Thank you, the magic of editing. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been podcasting. I've been podcasting for 10 years. I started in 2010 at the urging of Kevin Smith. Um, he wanted to start a network of shows. And on that network, it couldn't all be his shows um, as hard as, you know, try as he might. Mm-hmm. He, he was like, you know, I need other voices. I need other shows. So he got me and Mike to start one called I Sell Comics, where we talk about the weekly comic book releases and pop culture news and anything else. Um, and I, I fell in love with this immediately. Um, I didn't I did not want to do this, though, initially. I did not want to talk into a microphone. I didn't think anybody was going to listen to me. I didn't think anybody cared about what I had to say. Um, and I think, you know, and, and it's funny, uh, you know, once you put that fear away, it's like, you know what, who cares what other people think? You yeah. should do this because it's fun. And, you know, I, immediately I found out how much fun this was. And, uh, you know, I became a, a, you know, a legal, you know, I can legally say I was a podcaster after after one episode, really. Right. Um, but, you know, as such, we've recorded over 300 at this point. Wow. Um, but if what I love about Comic Book Men, though, is if you watch it, um, you know, you're watching us buying and selling comics and toys. But in between those scenes, you see the five of us sitting around a poker table talking into microphones. And at the time when we came out in 2012, a lot of people were like, what, what is that? What are you guys doing? Is that some kind of radio show? What is that? It's like, no, we're, it's a podcast. We're podcasting. And, uh, you know, if you look back before then, I don't think there was a depiction or mention of podcasts or podcasting in any movie in any TV show, yeah, like, there was no mention. Yeah, there really wasn't a, a, a reference point like that. I mean, yeah. you know, they they become ubiquitous in the time when Comic Book Man oh, yeah. was on the air. Just now, everybody has them, especially in the last yeah. year with the pandemic. Everybody's buying a USB mic and launching a podcast. But yeah, yeah. at the time, there there wasn't a whole lot of reference. I mean, frankly, Smodcast was the first show I found yep. that was originally a podcast because I saw you know there would be promotional stuff that was put out you know short interview clips. Yep. Um, I was a big fan of Jonesy's Jukebox when that was on Indie One Hundred Three One in Los Angeles, uh, hosted by Steve Jones. They used to put those his interviews and broadcasts out as a podcast, but that was broadcast as a radio show first. So the first thing I found was, and I remember the first Smodcast episode was episode seven. Uh, I. I thought, wow, this is something that's wholly original. It's 52 minutes of yeah. these two dudes I know, I mean, I know of, who are talking. That's just a conversation. So that was the first spark for me, which didn't manifest itself until three years later when I started doing it myself. But yeah, it's really something that has kind of slowly made its way in to the point where now more people have podcasts than don't. <laughs> so oh, yeah. It, it's yeah, true. Yeah, that really might have been sure. the first depiction for a lot of people. Like, what is what is it you're doing? Because nobody understood in, in 2010 when we explained we had a podcast and like, wait, wait, you're doing radio? No, it's not exactly radio. It's no. it's like radio in that it's audio. You listen to it, but you can put it on your iPod. You can listen on a website. And everybody just said, oh, you do that thing on the computer. Like People didn't get it you know, for the first yeah. two years we were doing it unless you were, frankly, our age. So, yeah, yeah and, for a know, lot of people, I, I'm sure I, that was a, a an entry point for a lot of people, seeing you guys yeah, do it. And, you know, and I, I remember hearing the first episode of Smodcast. I got to listen to it before anybody else did because I was <laughs> the guy who uploaded it. Right. And, you know, it was I was like, holy crap. You know, I got to hear Kevin and Scott Mosier just kind of being themselves for 52 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that first episode, they talk about some dude who stuck his hand up like a dolphin's ass. 
I yeah. believe the episode's even called Fisting, Fisting Flipper. Flipper. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. This That's is, a name this that is... sticks out. I still remember it 14 yeah. years later. Actually, it's, been, it's just about 14 years. I think it was February. Didn't that show launch in February? Uh, Smodcast? February I think it was. 2008, if I'm not mistaken. It was 2007. 2007. Yeah, yeah. 07. I, I, I remember yeah, and I was like, the apartment I was in and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 14 yeah, years like, old now, that show. Holy this shit. Is, this is awesome. Like, these, they didn't need any fancy gear or anything. They sat down and just recorded this at Kevin's house. Right. And they, you know, they didn't need like producers or lights or a studio even. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then, but, you know, I opened that point. I was like, all right, Kevin's famous. Of course, he's good at podcasting. To me, you know, up until I started doing it, it was like, all right, this is only for people who either have training, you know, maybe went to radio school or they're famous and they're really good at telling right. stories. And he, and he has a decade of talking on stage too yeah. for yeah. hours and hours. So for him to sit and do yeah. 52 minutes is, is nothing. Oh yeah. But, but for know, everybody once, else. Yeah. That's the, oh, kind of once, the question but, we got too, when we started. Yeah. But like, once I did, even when we recorded that first episode and I played it back, and I listened to it. I was like, wow, this is not half bad. Mm. Like if this was on the radio or, you know, me and Mike talking about pop culture, if this was a real show, I think this would be this would count as a real show. Like people would listen to this. I was like, "Wow, totally!" And wasn't that hard to do? We hooked up a couple mics and hit record. I was like, "This is awesome!" I was so yeah, it was so it was so much fun. And uh, I remember, you know, hooked immediately as as I'm sure you were and yeah. millions of other podcasters now. And um, you know, so uh, to be one of the first depictions on a TV show or whatever mass media format is a badge of honor for sure. You guys are um, footnote. You're footnote in history. Yeah, 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 for sure. But um, you know, near the time that the show was about to end, I was like, "Well, what, what, you know, what next? What do you, what do you do if the show ends?" And me and Mike had always kind of joked about um, opening up some kind of studio or like a classroom where we could teach other people how to have as much fun as we did. Right. And. Um, and a lot of that also came from, uh, you know, at this point, me and Mike were going to a lot of Comic-Cons. We were getting invited to Comic-Cons around the country, and we would go. And uh, it was cool. Uh, you know, say I was in, like, Nashville, Tennessee, or L.A., and someone would come up to our con table, like, hey, man, we like we like comic book, man. It's a great show, but we really love the podcast that you guys do. Um, how do we do one? You guys sound like you're having fun. How do we start a podcast? I'm like, oh, well... I, I mean, you got, I guess I could tell you in 10 minutes, it's not really a long time of time, but you know, you need a recorder, you need some microphones, uh, record it, upload it, you know, get onto iTunes and that's, and then make sure you record it weekly. So you build an audience. Um, but uh, you know, every time I was like, man, I would love to sit down with you for like two hours, show you everything that I've learned in my 10 years of doing this. Right. And then, and then I would, at the end of me, us telling you how to do it. I'd love to record an episode with you guys. So you, so you guys actually have an episode and, you know, we could put this up on iTunes and Spotify right now, if you wanted to, and you could go in and, and, and uh, share it with other people and you would be a bona fide podcaster. You would be a legal, you know, legally be called a yeah, podcast. You could put it on your resume now. Yeah. So, you know, eventually one day we just, uh, we found some office space, you know, we had the gear already and uh, we opened our doors and, um, uh, you know, worked a couple of logistics, but, you know, at, at first um, our friends would come down. Yeah, you know, and, and the thought was, yeah, I, we were like, well, this does any would anybody use something like this? We're mm-hmm. Like we we didn't know there was there was nothing like this at that point. Um, but I we were kind of like, hey, you know, let's try it. If nothing, we will we will at least have a place to record our shows. If totally. nobody comes, no problem. 
we have a studio to record our own podcast. That's that's pretty cool. And you know, I was like, wow, we can put whatever we want on the walls and stuff. I was like, yeah, you're paying the rent. I was like, wow, I felt like like Tom Hanks and Big for a second. You know, like I, <laughs> I wanted to buy like a Pepsi machine and a pinball. You know, it was, right. it was almost like oh, that, that's the but... only thing not there is a pinball machine and a Pepsi machine. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's too distracting. We're working the on Pepsi. It. Ma- the Pepsi machine almost happened, but that's oh. another story. <laughs> well, goals. Um, there's a yeah, lot more. So we, Bellworks is is a little less crowded. Maybe we'll get it at that studio. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work, um, we'll but you know, it. so our, our, first our friends would come in, then they would, you know, friends of friends would come in and record, and then that one day we had people clients that booked and like, oh crap, we don't know these people. Like, do you, someone just booked. Do you know them? I don't know them. It's like, holy crap, this is real now. <laughs> like, we have to do a good job. We have to make sure they have fun. We have to make this like a real thing. And, you know, these are real customers. Totally. We have to impress them. And they I remember they came in, they booked like, they, I think they booked a three-hour block. So uh, they must have had some kind of confidence that this is going to go well. And, yeah, that those three hours flew by. They had so much fun that they're like, can we come back next week? I'm like, you can come back every day if you want to. I don't care. I'm <laughs> so happy you had a great time. And uh, And they're still coming in. We're still friends to this day. We support each other. They still come in. Awesome. Uh, but from there, you know, it just started slowly taking off where people were booking. People were sending emails, inquiring about the studio. We were getting phone calls, asking about how it worked. Uh, and then, but even better than that, we had podcasters that recorded here telling other people, like, oh, man, you got to go and start your show there. You know, you, you just got to do it. Just go do it now. Like, we'll oh, help yeah. you out. And then even happier, you know, it's great to have a you know a place where people can come, <clears throat> record. Maybe they leave, come back next week and do it. You know that's great and all, but what I really wanted to build was uh, like a co- a community yes. of podcasters, um, kind of like how I built that clerk's website to meet other fans. I wanted to meet other podcasters. I wanted to introduce those podcasters to each other, and nothing makes me happier than you know when we have. Maybe one podcast is leaving and another one's coming in and they're like, oh, what's your podcast about? What's yours about? Oh, man. Oh, paranormal stuff. Oh, man. I love ghosts. That's cool. Will you come on my podcast? Yeah. And then maybe right. next week, like you can come on ours. And like that, nothing makes me happier than that, than the podcast crossovers. And that's something I'm hoping to build, you know, worldwide eventually. Oh, like, yeah. I think I think what we do um, is like, I, I truly think like podcast, I truly, it sounds cliche, but I think what we do will pretty like truly brings people together oh absolutely does i i really think because no matter what you're into there's a podcast for it in the same way there's a yep. subreddit or you know and anything yeah. else or yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a facebook yeah. fan page yeah, yeah there's a podcast for whatever it is you're into no matter how crazy it is i mean you wouldn't believe as i was setting up the patreon for this show uh how many QAnon pods there are stuff like that making huge yeah. money like listen if you, if you love white supremacy boy do we have a show for you so no matter how great or terrible the thing is you're into yeah there's a podcast for it so yeah. I realize that's not maybe a huge selling point, but uh, to get back to the positive, yes, <laughs> universe, it yeah. is such a community. And that was that was evident to me from the day we came in. And the way um, that came to be, uh, since I have you here and we're talking about it, which I don't even know if you know necessarily. I mean, we've spent enough time talking, uh, obviously, off mic, but still, I'm not saying it has been enough. I'm saying it's been a lot. I realize I, I tire people out, but it's uh, it's kind of funny that the studio wasn't on my radar at all until summer of 2020, uh, despite the fact you guys have been around since 2018. What happened was with this show, long story short, um, around summer of 2014, 
I was I put my show on hiatus because we were going to be wrapping up uh, the only podcast that matters at that point. We decided to kind of um, end it, but not really. It's kind of like a, the bookmark and I'm bringing it all back to the view of universe, kind of like a, there is a little bit of a bookmark in the book. Uh, God closes the end of yep, James yep, yep, strike yep, back. Of course. But that doesn't yep. mean the, the universe is closed. Um, but I still said, all right, I'm going to put this to the side and reevaluate what I want to do, because this show is just going to be a supplement for the other show to keep me in sure. shape while I was in California. So that way, when I came back to Jersey to visit and we would bank a bunch of episodes of the only podcast that matters that I would still be in shape because I felt a little rusty after being away for three months the first time and coming back, it felt I had to kind of, uh, you know, shake the dust off a bit. So I said, well, I don't want to do that. I'll do my own show in California every other week just to keep busy. So summer of 2014, um, I had a someone I met through a friend who was doing a show in a studio in downtown L.A. And I was like, really? A studio? Like, I got to come check this place out. And they had a three camera setup and it was audio. The studio just wanted you to rent the space. They didn't want you to be part of a network. It was, we don't own anything. You come in here, you pay us for the space, and that's it. And I yeah. was like, at the beginning of 2015, I'm starting my show here, and I'm going to do it on a weekly basis, which with having the video element and the live element, too, because we needed the safety net of editing with the only podcast matters, if I'm being honest, sure. uh, for at least at the time. Now, there's no editing really going on unless there's technical snafus, and hopefully nobody hears them, uh, because that's how good we are on Cape. But the idea was, oh, I could do this live show now for an hour once a week and it'll help me stretch which was great 2015 was great until september when is not to get on another you know down on la kick but uh downtown is going through huge gentrification and now it's becoming an upscale manhattan wannabe if i'm being honest uh downtown la literally we were at skid row studios two blocks up from skid row and the building got sold yeah the building was sold and uh, the rent was gonna of course go astronomically yep. high. It was going to be like four times higher or something. The owner of the studio who was actually losing money at the time, uh, losing about a thousand dollars a month in the studio. Funnily enough, was an IT guy. He worked for like Ticketmaster or something like that. Like ha- it was such a talk radio geek that frankly had the money to lose. He could lose like a thousand dollars a month by investing in the studio because his intentions were like yours. He wanted to give people a place to come and tell their stories and everything. And, um, most of them were like community programs and programs for, you know, veterans and what's going on with, you know, the communities in L.A. And then me, this dopey transplant from the East Coast comes out there and is doing this little comedy show talking about like, you ever see Fat Spider-Man on Hollywood Boulevard? It's like Paul Giamatti in a Spider-Man suit. Isn't that funny? And um, so I was kind of like a black sheep going into that studio anyway. Right. But I had a blast doing it. Um, but then the studio closes and then it's, well, now what am I going to do? I've enjoyed doing this. I don't want to go back to doing a podcast at home like everybody else. I was not that I was snobby, but I just felt like I'd outgrown it. And then looking around for other studios, I'm telling you, in L.A., it was crazy because there are studios that audio only, $200 for an hour. If you wanted audio and video, $400 for an hour. And none of them were in proximity. I was living in Burbank at the time. None of them were even within striking distance. Everything would have required like an hour and a half drive. And I thought, not only is it going to be a pain in the ass for me to go there, it's going to be a pain in the ass to get people to come on as guests because it's not as straight of a line as it is to downtown, especially doing a show at 9 p.m. when traffic's a little lighter and more manageable i thought if anyone's gonna have to go to like west la i'm not gonna get anybody to come on this show plus the budget like the show was not making money to the point where i could justify even two hundred dollars a week it would, it would be like two hundred dollars a month for yeah. the show i was doing in downtown so anyway i always want to get back to doing a studio after putting this show uh once again putting it to the side in 2016 for various reasons which i'll get into down the line but anyway fast forward to summer of 2020 and looking through the random posts that I will get recommended when you go to the search area of Instagram, and I saw 
a post from someone who was tagged at a shared universe on the Asbury Boardwalk. And I said, what is this place? And then I go to the shared universe profile. And I'm looking at like podcast studio. I was like, Megan, Mike. Oh, right. The guy's from comic book, man. Yeah. Kevin Smith's friends. That's right. And then I'm looking into it and saying, oh, my God. And that day after going to the website, I send a text to Jack, who for uh, this run of the show since last year has kind of been the, the de facto co-host. Uh, he was very much regularly the co-host for a string of shows in 2020. I was like, dude, we got to go check this place out. Like, and he, and he was a comic book man viewer as well. So, cause he would watch walking dead, talking dead and comic book man. He watched yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. block. And I was like, dude, I, I want to go check this place out. He's like, yeah, that's something we need to look into down the line. I was like, down the, to hell with down the line. Like we're going next month. This was August. I was like, you and I are going to go do a test show in September. And that's how that happened. The first show we did, which went up later in October, I said, yeah. we got to go see this place for ourselves. And then it just exploded from there. And truly, now I'm going to lather you up. So sit there awkwardly while I kiss your ass. But you, if truly you and Mike have created this community where, yeah, not only is it a hub and very much a place like if my friends and I were to open a podcast studio, it, it is absolutely the type of place, just the, the decor and everything, all, all the nerdy stuff that on the shelves and on the walls and everything. Not only would it be the type of place we would have, but you guys have actually cultivated this community where people do come in once a week. It's not just people coming in and doing one-offs. People are coming in doing, yeah, blocks of shows, you know, bulk recording shows to be released over a period of time. People are doing live streams like crazy. You now have the the second location that just recently opened at Bellworks in Homedale, which is where you're at right now. Yeah. And you guys really have created this community, which if that's what you were going for, you've achieved it already. And it's only going to get bigger and better from here because once things open up and we get back to some semblance of what life used to be like in the next four to six months. Yeah. It's going to be a big deal. I think there's going to be a shared universe festival coming up <laughs> down the line. Oh yeah. We're yeah, going to have to put yeah, something definitely, together. Definitely, some, definitely something we're working on uh, when the world opens back up. Yeah. I, mm. You know, we go to comic cons. Where's the podcast con? Totally. Um, I know there've been a couple, you know, bigger, you know, corporate backed ones out there, but I would love to do one where, you know, it's more just us creators, you know, totally. getting together, meeting each other. Um, you know, we would do the regular things with panels. Uh, you know, may, maybe Kevin would even come out and do, you know, and, you know, be more, oh, and talk about something more, more podcast oriented because he started all this. You know, in a, so. Yeah, in a huge way. And to do yeah. it in East Coast pod, damn it. I realized that was a long time ago, but oh, <laughs> let's man. do that. Let's, let's, yeah. let's co-op that. Na- well, I mean, you'd have to do it. Uh, you know, the guy, I don't, uh, <laughs> but, I, I, well, I still have the, I still have the artwork that we could, we could steal because really? I created the poster. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, the name is eye catching. Yeah. That's why I'm like, well, there already is something out there that has a, has an association. Yeah. Um, or we yeah, could just, for- we could just call the festival produced by Kevin Smith. And then people show yeah. up just for that. Doesn't mean he needs to be there. <laughs> We're just going to borrow his name just to sell some tickets. But yeah, no, really, sure. what, what you guys have done is is astounding because you have these two studios. Um, I did read something in my research for this show, even though we've kind of been talking, you know, extemporaneously about things. Um, but there was talk, if it's still going to happen, about possibly expanding and having a studio in the city. And by the city, I mean New York. Sorry, South Jersey, oh, and sure. Pennsylvania I mean, people. Yeah, yeah. It's not Philly. It's New York uh, City. You know, um, you know, rent notwithstanding, I yeah. think, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I fully intend to expand this out. I mean, I wish, I wish, I wish I could have done, uh, expanded years ago. Um, that oh, takes sure. money and then, you know, the, it's uh, a lot harder to do now during the pandemic, but, um, I'm yeah. actually coming up with a couple of strategies that, uh, will allow us to have studios elsewhere. Um, even during a pandemic, um, 
where you know we can have a presence in other 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 places. So stay tuned for sure. <laughs> but um, I think uh, what, yeah, and, and thank you for all the compliments. I mean, that's exactly what we wanted to build was somewhere, just something uh, you know, a place where you know, first and foremost, you get a, a good recording. But a place where you and your friends, you know, like you, you can't wait to go to each week. Oh, yeah. And sit down and record. And, you know, podcasting is fun. Podcasting is you and your friends getting together and, and you know, joking around or talking about something. Or, you know, maybe you want to get serious or you, you have a specific topic you want to talk about. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, it's something that you, you look forward to doing and something that's... Yeah, I think fun is first and foremost. Um, so yeah, if you come in, yeah, there's pop culture stuff on the walls. Uh, you know, do we did we get a beer sponsor so we could give people free beer? Yes, because it's fun, of course. And and alcohol helps people talk. Yeah. And, oh uh, boy, does it. <laughs> yeah, and and that you know, if you have fun and you come to a cool place, you know, and, and you know, like Clerks, what are you going to do? You're going to go tell people about it. Absolutely. You're going to want them to go as well. You're going to want, um, and you know, if you. If you want to invite a guest, you're like, oh, man, wait till you see this place. And then they come and they geek out. And yeah. Like, see, I told you. That's the kind of place we, we, we've always wanted to build. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, that was a huge comment. So I checked out that studio that you were at in L.A. It looked awesome. It, it looked was. Like, it was very cool. It looked, it looked big budget, which, you know, I, we don't have a ton of money. I, you know, I, I invested some money into this. And, you know, every penny that we've made for the most part has gone back into buying more and better gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, that, that looked like, uh, you know, a pretty legit studio. I was like, oh, so that's a big compliment. Yeah. That, oh, you know, it totally you like our place as well. Um, also it, it was actually a recording studio in LA that, um, was a big inspiration for a shared universe. Oh, really? Uh, there's a hotel off the sunset strip called the sunset marquee. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's actually, uh, it's hidden. It's on sunset, but it's hidden. So you don't really know it's there. And yeah, you have such, to know it's there of, to find it. You do. Um, you know, very fancy hotel. It's not cheap to stay there. But um, but since it's so quiet back there, uh, a lot of celebrities stay there. And a lot of rock stars would stay there. Um, some rock stars would even live there for months at a time. Ah, those and were the at, days. <laughs> at some point, what a I think maybe during the 70s or 80s, uh, Somebody got smart and he was like, wow, there are a lot of rock stars staying here. And he went into the basement. He went downstairs, which used to be a parking garage. He's like, hey, I should build a recording studio here. And he ended up building three recording studios in the downstairs area of this hotel. Uh, It's called Nightbird Recording Studios. Um, It's pretty amazing. And I remember I was staying. It's my favorite hotel in L.A. If I can ever, you know, when I can afford to stay there. And I remember wandering down there and I was like, holy crap, what the hell is this? Is this a recording studio? And I talked to the staff. They're like, hey, would you like to see them? I'm like, yeah, man. So they they stepped me in there and there's, you know, there's a $50,000 grand piano in one corner. <laughs> and it's all wood paneled and nice lighting. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, so who's been here? They're like, oh, you know, no, you know, Elton John, Rihanna just recorded here on last week. Like uh, Steven Tyler, this is like his home recording studio. No, man. Like, huge names I was like holy crap this is cool and i remember leaving there and i was like man i wish i would have started a band or something because even <laughs> if i had like a garage band like i would make it a goal to just rent an hour here just so i could say 
that I recorded there and, and get that energy from, you know, like the Elton Johns that I recorded, like the, the great names that have recorded yes, there. Soak up what the, the vibe of yeah. what and who's yeah. been in there. Yeah. And I was like, what a cool thing. But, you know, I don't play guitar. I don't have a band. I don't sing. I was like, <laughs> all right, well, there go my dreams. Um, oh. Fast forward to a year later, I was like, wait a minute. I podcast. They have microphones. Maybe I could record a couple episodes here. Um, it would be way overkill for what I want to do. You know, they're <laughs> they're literally, you know, record they, you know, they've recorded Grammy winners at that studio. They've done, you know, hits, big, big time songs at that studio. But I'm like, you know what? Why not? Yeah. Why not? So Don't let me year, talk there. Uh, that's that's light lifting yeah, for them. Sure. So one year we had done, uh, we went, we went out to do a Comic Con. Um, made some pretty good money during that weekend. I was like, oh, I got some extra money. I was like, I called them up. I was like, Hey, um, this is going to sound weird. I, I, you know, I, I'd like to rent your studio, but this is going to sound weird. I, I don't have any instruments. I don't have a band. Um, I'm just going to record me and some friends talking. Are we going to record a podcast? Um, they're like, okay, um, sure. And I remember it was like, uh, you know, are you bringing your own engineer? I'm like, do I, do I need to? I didn't know. I didn't know the protocol. Right. Like, yeah. For a you, prestige you get, place you, like that. You, you get an engineer, but they, they thought, you know, usually if you're, you know, like a band, you don't use the house engineer. You bring your own engineer. Yeah. You have a guy. And the, I'm retainer. And the, house engin- the house engineer is there to help him with the technical stuff, but the house engineer. So I didn't know the, you know, I wanted to follow the protocol. So I actually, I did hire um, a friend. <laughs> I paid him to come and engineer literally all he had to do is hit record <laughs> the other guy was like doing the levels and everything mm-hmm. but i remember uh it, and it was it was not it was not cheap i believe i paid 295 dollars an hour yeah it was a two hour two hour minimum but i'm like what the hell like when what why not i mean you the, know, the story is, is worth six hundred dollars just to yeah, say like i recorded all- where elton john recorded <laughs> yeah so i want to do I, I invited my friend samantha to come out um she is a musician so i interviewed her about her fledging musical career and we saw the fifty thousand dollar piano i was like hey can 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 we just record you playing some songs on that she's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i remember uh, i had my uh my actress friend uh diane farr came out she was nice enough to oh awesome i interviewed I her love she diane was farr. on she was on numbers she was on uh californication she was mm-hmm. one of uh you know david duchovny's uh season three or four i believe yeah. she was a regular on love line i remember that she was always yeah on love yeah, line. yeah yeah okay yes yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. She is. She she's seems like so a cool. Real, yeah, she's like a, a guy's guy. Uh, she married a Korean dude, so you know that didn't. Hurt. Oh well, they listen. Yeah, that's... She came out, and we we had a great time. But I remember, you know, I got there. They were very welcoming. I remember we got there, and they they set down like a big bowl of fruit and a plate of cookies. Like you know, they all these people moved in and just started. I, I was like, okay, this is where my two hundred ninety five dollars is going. I guess you know, plus the recording. <laughs> So, you know, and, you know, why, and what we don't, I don't put a plate of fr- cookies in front of you. I do have a huge candy table at the studio now and there is the free beer. Yeah. And, you know, so there's a little hospitality. There's, there's there. a selection of fine whiskeys as well. There is. So there's alcohol there, there, there. There's enough. So it, it's, it's family friendly, but there's also, you know, an uh, eight or I should say 21 or older element yeah. to the studio as well. It's, it's very yeah. much all are welcome. And it is that kind of vibe. It's not, listen, just cause I bring me and, and my gang of misfits in there just to do silly shows about uh, being nerds and, you know, getting raccoons out of your attic and, you know, a bunch of stories about, you know, how much would you accept to do an OnlyFans yeah. account? You know, stuff like that. You can still, 
it's very much an all ages environment altogether. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can do whatever you want there. And you really have, have cultivated a a community and a studio that has that vibe. As soon as you walk in, there's that vibe. I mean, there was no nerves or anything. Even the idea of going into a studio, it was funny. You know, 10 years after we started podcasting at Andrew's apartment in Farmingdale, New Jersey, the idea of going into studio, I mean, that was pie in the sky for us, you sure. know, a decade earlier. So when I told him, listen, we're going to celebrate the 10th anniversary of this show and the only podcast that matters is available wherever you get your podcast, folks. Go check that of out. Course. There's five best ofs or rather four best ofs. Uh, go check yeah, those like, out. Like, subscribe, rate. Yeah, exactly. Follow, I mean, even yes. though the show is not active right now, listen, you can still enjoy uh, shenanigans yep. from years past. But um, the idea of going into a studio and not having to handle the engineering, that was a huge deal. And that was one of the things that spoiled me about going to Skid Row. The idea I could show up host and be funny and do an interview and the presentation didn't hurt either having a studio you know it's one thing to invite somebody to your apartment to do a podcast it's another thing to have them come into a professional environment and say come on the podcast especially someone you don't have a personal relationship with and that was one of the things that helped me in terms of i had guests lined up for a while for that show i was never without somebody to come in when i was doing the show at skid row studios because that was an appeal for people plus they just genuinely liked me enough i guess or or saw an opportunity to you know exploit the medium for you know their own purposes but regardless just having that was a huge asset and for me to just show up and just host without having to keep one eye on the computer and one eye on the board and all this other stuff it, it was just liberating and the idea that you know the four of us come into shared universe and we're able to do that without having to worry about, you know, someone's dog darting out of the room and unplugging something <laughs> was huge. And so we just sat down and we just hit the ground running. It's funny that Cape 139, if you want to go back and hear the first episode that uh, the four of us from the only podcast that matters did together, there's a lot of nervous energy and we're very loud and we're very excited because I listened back to it when I was putting together the best of 2020. And I thought, wow, it really comes through just how excited we were to be there and just the whole vibe of it, vibe yeah. of it was was perfect. So you, you did. You really created that environment where you walk in and just everybody's immediately at home, particularly if you're a nerd. And just that you can come in. It's a professional setting. Everybody there is cool as hell. And that's one of the things, you know, some of the guys who will remain nameless were nervous about the idea of like, you know, I watched Ming and Mike on TV and uh, I'm, I'm going to meet them. I don't know. You know, I mean, you and I are jaded because we lived in L.A. So like we've met people, you know, you're like, sure. I've worked for a I worked for Jason Bourne and, uh, you know, the the lead in paycheck. So I know people. And Batman, yeah, I worked for yeah, Batman you worked for Bourne. Batman. Before yeah. I worked for Matt Murdock because uh, it was around that time. But um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I, there is the element yeah, of like, oh, I don't know about this. But for me, you know, being being a jaded uh, former L.A. resident, I was like, it's fine. Just be normal to people. Just be they're guys. And having yeah. having met you anyway from when Jack and I came to the studio and Mike was our engineer for that first show it was like, yep, they're just guys. Just just be normal. Like it it doesn't matter. I mean, I didn't have to give them a pep talk like they were going to go crazy or like, well, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. But just th- there's no pretense about the place is, is what I was trying to say to them. And oh, yeah. What no, I'm saying to anybody who, who's thinking about it. There, there's not these guys are cool as can be they're down earth they're working schmoes like us ming's up yeah, at, yeah, yeah. at all hours talking to me because the guy's just dedicated to the podcast cause that's the only Absolutely. reason he's here listen this isn't necessarily fun for him he's just like i'm, I'm trying to, to spread it <laughs> i need to bring in some business <laughs> this is why i do it and uh yeah i mean uh yeah i um yeah we want a very comfortable environment you know you co- you come in uh you see all that it looks like comic-con blew up uh in the yes, studio yes it, it does and, um and I think immediately that puts a lot of people at ease. Uh, yeah, we notice a lot of 
first time podcasters, like people would get invited on as guests. They're always like, oh man, I'm nervous. I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, <laughs> you'll be fine. You're talking about stuff that you love. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't even have to really prepare it. Like the, the host will ask you all the questions. You just answer them honestly. Like, there's no pressure here. And yeah. of course, that's always what turns out to be true. At the end, I'm like, see, there's no need to be nervous. I was, that was awesome. And it's over um, already. The hour is over. It goes by like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. But there is there is and, the intimidating. And this is probably what I was trying to say in, in the clunky, long-winded way I just tried to say it in. But it's you may look at it as it's a studio and it's a professional environment and it can be very intimidating. But at the same time, you're, you're so comfortable right yeah. off the bat that 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 goes away even if you feel you know a splash of that when you walk in or even when you walk into the studio and you're sitting down in front of the mic it just goes away because the environment is just that comfortable there's no rigidity there's no you know particularly for me doing like a goofy show like when we showed up jack and i showed up to do that show i just said to you know christian cordez who was engineering that night i was just like you can chime in if you want you don't have to if you want to sit there and just earn or or tweet oh, and he, or and whatever he did, he did. He did. It, we, yeah. we went overtime which you know i'm still waiting on, on the bill for but um nah. yeah let's like he he did jump in for the second half of that show we did an hour and 20 in the last 40 minutes it was a three-person show yeah um because i just said like you know we're we're speaking the language that you guys speak and that's why he was compelled to jump in and that's how cool of an environment it. I can't say enough good about it. Everyone's like, this show got really ass kissy really fast. I was very interested in the no, fact not that at all. Ming worked I, I in mean, Hollywood, yeah, but that, now this is this is taking a no, turn. No, that that I mean, you know, that beats hearing the opposite is like, oh man, that, that you call that a studio? That was awful. You know, that's not what we want to hear. So that's a Toys R Us. And, uh, that's not a studio. What are you, what are you yeah, that, what how is, do you pay your this, rent? You know. Yeah. What is this? GoBots of studios. Get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. It um uh, yeah and you know and we want we wanted to be different uh you know most recording studios you go into a lot of black foam echo sound tiles yeah yeah concrete intimidating dark, and cold not cold not, cold, not that fun not warm yeah we and wanted welcoming. to be we wanted we wanted to be fun and uh, I think we we achieved that and um yeah I remember even walking into Nightbird Recording Studios the one underneath that hotel mm-hmm. um their uh their control room you know where the mixing board is and stuff that's where all the cool leather couches and the wood stuff is then they have the glassed in recording booth and i remember we walked in there and i'm like well i'm like i don't want to record in there i want to record out here with where you're engineering on the on the couches right can you move the mics out here so we could record out here and he looked a little confused at first and he's like <laughs> yeah yeah i can put the mics wherever you want and I was like, this is how I want it from now on. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it. I, I don't want a glass between me and the guy running the board. Yeah. I, you know, I want it to be a really like a the comfortable environment. So, yeah, that, you know, even though I paid an arm and a leg for a couple hours there, it set the tone for everything. For totally. sure. Yeah. And that it was, was well, it was, it was well worth it. Um, And even um, I was like, this was awesome. Like I, I, I was trying to make it a goal to at least record there once a year, but. I was like, well, I wonder how I could get away with, um, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I wonder. Um, and I was like, okay, that's going to add up really quickly. So in subsequent years, what I actually did was I would bring my own recording gear. I would bring my own mics, but I would rent the, the mic stands from the studio. And upstairs in the hotel, there's this really cool outdoor alcove with couches and candles. Right, right. And there are pictures of rock stars on the wall. And, you know, I got a room there, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to podcast out here. So I had a whole setup in that alcove and I invited at that year. I actually did like eight podcasts. 
Oh wow! Um, you know, because you know, West Hollywood, pretty centrally located. Actors are not that far. Yeah. So I got a whole yeah. bunch of them to come out, and I recorded eight one-hour podcasts that time over the span of I think two days. Oh, that's awesome! And it was awesome. So, and it cost a lot less than the six hundred dollars I would have spent. <laughs> put that toward the room and being in la right and so i actually did that for two two years after that and actually i did it i did it three times and um and i you know it was funny i didn't ask for permission to ask if i could record out there i was there for hours at a time there are people <laughs> going by staff guests you know mm-hmm. kind of looking curiously over like, and huh. you know i was ordering what's that about? i was getting i was getting drinks for people delivered from the bar so you know i, I was being a patron <laughs> Uh, but I remember one of the times I, I did Friday, Saturday, and then the Sunday I was all set up there. And I remember, I think it was the manager, one of the hotel staff came over. They're like, hey, um, who did someone give you permission to do this? I'm like, no, not really. I just kind of set up here. I'm like, uh, are you, do I have to leave? And she looked at me. She was like, yeah, you've been here for two days already. Keep going. You're nice. good. And then, yeah. And the <laughs> other weird part was, uh, you know, I was tweeting photos and stuff and the hotel website was t- retweeting them and stuff so oh so i took that as an official endorsement yeah, yeah someone was on board <laughs> yeah um, and um and i think the coolest thing that ever happened by recording outside in that alcove i was sitting there i was, I was recording with a friend this dude keeps walking by big dude blonde hair and i'm like man that guy looks really familiar and then uh, it hit me i was like holy shit that's chris hemsworth oh really oh, yeah. i was like freaking <laughs> yeah and then one of the times he walked by, he kind of peeked his head over. He's like, hey, man, wh- hey, mate, what are you guys doing? I was like, oh, we're just podcasting. He's like, oh, wow, that looks really cool. Kept on going. I was like, shoot, we- I should have grabbed him for Yeah, a- I'd be like, yeah, have a seat. But, you know, yeah, Thor, come down. Yeah, but I was like, yeah. man, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, I, you know. That's they- funny. That's yeah. L.A., though. You just see- you'd see people. Like, everybody goes looking for stars when they go out there. But, like, you'll just you'll just see people in, in places. Be like, oh, look who it is. <laughs> yeah but i think that was kind of a lesson also i tell people was like hey you know t- just do it just sit down exactly record in the alcove of your favorite hotel with <laughs> you know you uh, you know thor might come by and say hello or you know rent that recording studio even though you don't play an instrument right you know, rent it to record a podcast you know yeah see what's get, get, what's get, happening there do something crazy have fun you know you never know how it might it, it and and now I, not only do i have a great story about it but it really did influence kind of the way we run things so right oh that's well yeah that was and and unintended le- even as far as what what you want to be and what you don't want to be that's yeah. certainly worth something i mean i've quit yeah, listening to sure. more podcasts than i have continued to listen to <laughs> just sure. cuz i thought let me check them out or at a point you know things things changed the host changed or co-host changed or you know they had kids and the show became about something else you know or whatever and um the idea is like yeah just just try stuff i realize that's not the same as actually doing it just being a listener but yeah like you you don't know what's what's gonna click i didn't know how i felt even about zoom i was calling people when i started doing the show again almost a year ago and just said uh let me do phoners with people let me figure out how to do that and then with the prevalence of zoom it became well i'll do shows on zoom that seems like a good way to do it and now that there's a studio we got all of these options. And as much as I can't wait to go back to the studio, having this, being able to sit here, you and I, and go on for two hours, is yeah. uh, oh, it's and, great and, and, just and, to have the means and, to do it. And honestly, thank God for Zoom. You know, if they're listening and they want to sponsor, great. But um, we were doing Zoom interviews sparingly with some of our podcasters mm-hmm. so they could get remote people in. But before the pandemic, nobody knew what Zoom was. Yeah. And not only did people know what it didn't know what it was, if they were asked to use it, they would... It was a barrier. 
they're like, oh, I got to set my computer. Like, do I need a microphone? Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, not, no, I don't. Exactly. It, it I, seemed or, like or, yeah. a world away. Like, what about Skype? Yeah. It's like, well, Skype doesn't work yeah. at the best of times. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a yeah. me- or, meaningful or like, way. Or they, or they or they be like, can I just call in? I'm like, you could, but the interaction is so much better if you can see the other people. Oh, without it's a 1, doubt. 1,000 times better. I even said it's, that, you know, when we were continuing the only podcast that matters for, you know, I was out in L.A. for, for two yeah. years. Um, years three and four of that show. And the idea was, well, what about you calling in? Is there some way, you know, we could do the show on Skype or something. And, you know, fast forward to where we are now or, you know, to 2020 and I actually said to the guys, it's funny, you know, had we kept going in whatever formation or at Zoom come along six years ago, dare I say we never would have stopped doing the show because yep, we would have had the yep. means to. So yeah, some of you, it, thankfully, know. is because the technology has been democratized and we all yeah. have access to it. And that. I mean, you still need to be yeah. good. That's the thing. You still need to make sure. a good show or um, ha- have something to bring to it, which is the other thing I will say just for anybody who is listening, who's looking at it as like, well, maybe podcasting and uh, I don't know what I talk about or who's interested in what I have to say, which is <laughs> the first thing a lot of people say. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Yep. Who cares what I have to every say? Every time, every day. But here's the thing. I'll, I'll give you an example. I like Whitney Cummings. I think she's hysterical. She does a podcast and she will have comedians on, actor friends, whoever. And it's the idea of it doesn't matter to me what they're talking about. I enjoy the conversation. But what brings me in is that I like Whitney Cummings. So it doesn't really matter what the subject is. If you like the people who are involved, then it doesn't need to be. I mean, I realize theme podcasts are huge. People love true crime podcasts and, you know, things like that. There's a paranormal podcast that engineer Chris Jr. does, Chris Mad, called Ghosted, uh, which we're going to throw a plug out there for him. Uh, So there there are things for for whatever kind of genre you're into. But if you're just into the chatter... That's what most podcasts, frankly, are. And if you like the people who are hosting it or if it if you're brought into it because you see just for the sake of example, let's pick a name like Kevin Smith is on somebody's (laughs) podcast and that gets you to listen to it. Maybe you'll be into the host and hopefully you'll stick around for for other episodes. But if you're just in for the conversation, that's it. So you don't know. Yeah, As long as you're putting yourself out there, like I said earlier, as far as being authentic, as long as you're bringing yourself to it. And, and you're having just a real conversation, which Ming and I have had for a long time tonight, then that that's still going to pe- appeal to people because they want they want real talk. That was the feedback that I was getting from people when we started doing the old show it was just like it's real talk. It's like what my friends and I talk about when we get together. Yep. That was the whole point. Yeah. And, yeah it's, and that all leads, you know, full circle back to why, why I love Clerks so much. Yes. These guys were there you talking go. like me and my friends. And, did and where sure. we came in. It's yeah, true. For sure. that, that's that's what people are looking for, even if you don't know it. And back then, once again, Kevin was ahead of the curve. It's like, oh, these are conversations we have. We got to get in on it. All right. Yeah. We're going to wrap uh, up. Yeah, and, and, I'm yeah, sorry. Go yeah, real quick, though. You know, we, we teach a class on podcasting. And the first thing we tell people, I put up a slide is a quote from Kevin Smith going, you know what? Podcasting, like you don't even need talent. You don't need talent to do this. All you need to do is tell one killer story. Totally. And you're good. And that's that's it. And, you know, I urge people like, if you can talk, you should be podcasting. Exactly. That's I mean, that pure and simple. Yeah, something. And there's no structure. Do do episodes no. as frequently or as infrequently as you yeah. like Do yeah. do something. It is it's a creative outlet that I can't it's, I, it's, I cannot yeah, emphasize it's, how motivating it's been for other areas of, of my creativity. Like as much as I'm not, exp- you know, the 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 goal would be to have podcasting be a gig. But I've, you know, aspirations and goals beyond this. To where this facilitates a lot of my creativity and gets the yep. wheels turning to where a bunch of other stuff comes about and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where all this stuff leads. But yeah, for now, you are going to be the first victim in quarantine this or that. 
10 right, questions, the same type of format you've seen on a thousand shows, you know, this okay. or that, Coke or Pepsi, that kind of thing. However, it is tailored specifically to you. So let's get right into it. Comic books or comic book movies? I, I'm going to go with comic books. There are no comic book movies without comic books. So uh, I prefer, I like the source material. Um, yeah, I'm going to go comic books for sure. And uh, yeah, and I can read them on the toilet. So this is true. Like watch it. You can watch a movie on the yeah. toilet on your phone. And, and, and I have. The same. But, <laughs> you know, sitting down on the bowl for two and a half hours for Endgame, it's, you're going to get sore. Yeah. And you're going to have a hell of a time walking out of the bathroom. For sure. DC or Marvel? Ooh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go with Marvel right now. I mean, D, I, I'm gonna say right now though that I think DC has better villains, but I, th- I like Marvel superheroes better. Stan Lee or George Lucas? Um, uh, Stan Lee for sure. I think uh, I, I I don't think there's any argument there. I love Star Wars, but um, I I mean George I, George created the Star Wars universe, but I. I th- I think I think Stan is more of a god. Like the, his creations, like are more. He's, yeah. He, I'm Stanley definitely hit more than he missed, which I don't know if I can say the same about George Lucas. That for for the most part, that's true. His, yeah, Stan for sure. His contributions are, are plus endless. I, plus was plus Stan was way more accessible to his fans. I believe. I think uh, this is you true. know you don't see George Lucas at signing autographs at a con, <laughs> taking pictures cameoing in movies I think way more accessible to fans true I hear you uh, Avengers or Justice League uh, oh, I gotta go I gotta go with the Avengers um, I I just think they're cooler uh, I, I you know I don't I guess if you kind of put them up one one on one or as a team and you know what honestly I hope we get that movie where they get to face off against each other in our lifetime I hope that happens but yeah, if, I think if you took a deep look at each of the characters, uh, I think I think the Avengers stand out on top for sure. Good food or good whiskey? Um, oof. I I gotta go with good food. You can't survive on good whiskey. You can, you I mean you could drink all the whiskey you want, but uh, you'll probably eventually starve to death. I think so. Yeah, I I think yeah I think food. I'm very food oriented, as a lot of people know. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with good food for sure. Web design or podcasting? Oh man, I mean, 15 years ago, I mean, there was no podcasting. I like, I really loved creating websites for people. Like, I re- I was very, very passionate about it. Um, now there's, you know, like Squarespace, WordPress, Wix. It's all kind of in a box. All websites pretty much look the same right now. And about at that point when building websites kind of lost that soul was kind of when I started podcasting. So, uh, yeah, definitely podcasting at, yeah, right now in 2021. But, yeah, there was a point in my life where uh, I, I couldn't wait to wake up and, and work on a website for sure. Brian Johnson or Walt Flanagan? Oh, dang. That's a <laughs> tough question, man. I said these were going to be fun. I didn't oh, say you were going to have that fun. One's, yeah, no, no, no. That one's... That one's tough because you know they're both assholes for sure. They <laughs> both uh, they both relit. They both delight in making fun of me. I think I gotta give a little bit of an edge to Brian Johnson only because I think we've been you know Walt doesn't fly, so I've never really seen Walt outside of New Jersey. Uh, Brian and I have traveled the world together, 
um, gotten into and out of a lot of trouble together. Uh, we've got some stories. Some that's, an, that that's another probably, show. <laughs> We're yeah, do that some, some stories that you know that people, some, most people will never ever hear, even. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I gotta give the edge to Brian John. As much as he's a, he's a grump, he's an asshole, but he's my friend, and uh, I love him dearly. But and uh, yeah, no, make no mistake. I think. Um, you know, the few times in my life where I've been either truly frustrated or truly angry was because of something he did. Yoda or Obi-Wan? Oh, man, that's a good question, too. I I, 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 I go to Yoda, not just because of baby Yoda, but um, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm 5'4". I'm not a big guy, but, uh, you know, he pro- truly proved that size matters not and that you, uh, you know, you can use... Sometimes you can use outside forces or the force to uh, influence other people. And, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I love Obi-Wan, but uh, I, I think he was still an old man, a hermit, maybe a little grumpy, you know. We'll find out what he was doing this whole time on Tatooine soon when they come out. This with is that true. TV series. Yeah. You would have gotten bonus points if you mentioned Frank Oz in relation to Yoda, but too late now. Oh, yeah. Cape or the extended branch? Oh man! Well, I gotta go with Cape because you know. The, Goddamn right I, you do. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen. I love uh, you know. I I I love the Masons. I've learned a lot about the Masons. I've uh, I've, uh Andrew and his crew are great guys. But uh, you know, you guys came in first, and uh, yeah, I re- I definitely relate to you guys uh, better through pop culture and uh, just joking around. They're um yeah. I mean, they joke around too, but they you know they seem they also seem very serious too. So yeah, we're not serious at all around jo- here. So. I'm more of a jokester, so but you know nothing against the extended branch. Uh, I I am so happy that they've been coming in, <laughs> and I I love all the guests they've been bringing in and uh, and the whiskey, uh, yeah one and the whiskey and uh, yeah which thank you very much for the Jefferson Ocean and uh, yeah I think uh, one day I'll go get a, a lodge tour and go eat dinner with those guys. I think it'll be a great time. But Cape rules, so good answer. And Cape finally, Jay or Silent Bob. Oh man, um, I I gotta go. With Silent Bob, Jay, uh, Jay, the real life guy, and Jay, the character, uh, little annoying. Plus, the real life Jay <laughs> owes me money, so ah, uh, well, uh, yeah. I've um, before I started podcasting, I was very shy, so I was also a man of few words. Didn't really speak, even when spoken to, and uh, I always liked that idea that if you know that the few times he did speak, like people, it was you know, it was like whoa, that guy never speaks. Uh, those words would have so much weight to them. Totally, like, man. That's a that's a cool way to do it, and they would always be very wise words for sure. Yeah, from it, Silas when Bob, he spoke, so. it made an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I got to side with uh, with Silent Bob. Plus, he's the muscle man. He's this is true. For, some someone to put up with Jay for that long. He's a, <laughs> that's a that's a super the patience of a quality. saint on yeah, film and sure. in real life. Yeah, for sure. All right, congratulations, Ming. You have completed the quarantine this or that. Wow. So thank you very much for that. Huge honor. Listen, everybody, all seriousness, go to ashareduniverse.com. And if you're interested in podcasting, look, you can do remote sessions right now. If you're not even in New Jersey, you can do remote sessions like we're doing here. They will handle your Zoom sessions. They have classes that can be taken, as you well, as Ming mentioned before. Like if you want to learn podcasting from zero, it will be built from the ground up. They will help you put it all together and get it out there ASAP. So yes. if you feel the itch, 
Ming is going to help you scratch it. That sounds a little dirty, but and you know maybe it might be if you come to the studio, he may help you scratch your itches. But regardless, you should go to a shareduniverse.com and book and look into it and follow Ming on all the socials at Ming Chen thirty seven. He's posting constantly. He's a great Instagram follow because he's always getting free free food, free swag. He's got all sorts of stuff going on. Look, he's got Grogu there with him. I mean, yeah. why would you not want to? want to see what he's up to but you should anyway oh, yeah and he's he's a Thank hell you. of a good guy <laughs> and uh of course you can find you know a shareduniverse.com go there and you can follow the studio as well for all sorts of shenanigans if you're interested in shenanigans for me you can follow me on twitter at chris Abalo and on instagram at chris sells out i wasn't smart enough to give myself the same handle on all the platforms so there you go and you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at cape pod and support the show on patreon patreon.com slash cape pod if you are a patreon supporter you can access the full video of this episode but you can also see clips and various other bits and pieces and a bunch of full episodes if you go to the half-assed media youtube channel <laughs> which if you try to type that in the search bar uh, might not come up so you can search chris Abala's podcast experiment on youtube or use the links at chris and of course we'll be back again next monday with another show thank you infinitely Ming Chen for finally coming on the show. The first of many appearances on Cape. Thank you. That was uh that was immensely fun. I feel this is only just part one. To, you know, oh, it's, like we can we can keep going. Without so. a doubt. I I'm gonna be flooded with emails and tweets demanding more. All so right. we're gonna I'll, make I'll it be happen. There. <laughs> always here for you guys. Always here for the experiment, my friend. Ah, oh, that's awesome. And and likewise, we will always be there as part of the shared universe. So, you know, we don't go away. We're like the clap, me and my friends. So Take that for what it's worth. So, until next time, for Ming Chen, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. Excitement? Jedi craves not these things.